and 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 bear with me on this. I think that if I had just I don't know either reached over and just <laughs> grabbed his dick or asked him if I could hold his dick for him, I'm not like and look. <laughs> My name is Tyler Pino. My name is Michael Holler. Today we have a guest, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is a friend of mine going way back, actually. How long have I known you, sir? Uh, we just met in the lobby, man. I, I really haven't. Right. And how many of those minutes do you wish you could take back and do something more productive? Of the five? Um, three to four, I'd say. I mean, I want to be fair. Yeah. He yeah. seems like a nice guy. Alex Tiberius Haney. That is not my middle name. What is your middle name? Alex. Alex Alex Haney? No, my first name is Craig. What? Yeah. You're fucking with me. No, I swear to God, my first Craig. name is Craig. And we have known each other for uh, six, seven years or so, yeah, and you've time. never known that. that That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Well, like, how the I, fuck did you... How did you mess <laughs> that up? I, I, look, I've seen your name in print. I've uh, seen it everywhere. Yeah. Um, we've, we've shared playbills. Sure. Never have I seen the word Craig yeah, unless, anywhere associated with your name. Unless we share a tax form with the IRS, I don't yeah. think you would. Yeah. So that's or, not my fault. That's your fault. Were you in like a, totally. a samurai cop and just had to change your name because you couldn't be recognized as Craig anymore? Or? You know, I don't want to like throw my parents under the bus for this or anything, but they, um, they named me and then called me by my middle name. So really? they said, your name is Craig Alexander Haney, and then just started calling me by a shortened version of my middle name. So uh-huh. for 12 years of school, pre-K through, you know, high school, uh, through high school, it was, uh, I had to raise my hand and say, you know, I don't go by this name. I go by a completely different name. Than <laughs> you know, you always have those teachers that are like, oh, you know, if you have like a nickname or something, like, mm-hmm. you know, just let us know. And then school rosters, they, they don't portray your middle name at all. So it's just no. like, oh, Craig is like, actually, it's Alex. I'm like, yeah. Fuck you, it's Alex. I, I honestly, I was in L.A. Uh, for the past few years. That's where my driver's license is right now. And it um, they would not let me put my full middle name on the thing. I can show you right now. I know this is this is good for radio, right? This yeah. is really good radio. But look, this is my California ID. Sure. Haney, Craig, Craig A. a. And that they refused to put Alex. And, and, you know, I have problems with that sometimes. See, I'd think that was a fake ID if you showed exactly. that. Exactly. See, that photo Craig looks like Haney, you that just made up. stepped off the set of point break. Alex Haney yeah. sounds a lot better. <laughs> I think that's the more appropriate. I like it. Yeah. it's It's got a more melodious feel. Alex Haney rolls out the tongue. Craig Haney. That sounds kind of like a kind of like a shitty stand-up from the 90s. Yeah, or like I, I'm like drinking behind a hill in Scotland somewhere. Yeah. You know, like I, <laughs> there once was a Craig Haney. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. What is that? It's a syllable thing. I know Craig's Maybe. that are comedians that are not shitty comedians. Craig Fox is a friend of mine. Um, that sounds great. It's yeah. two syllables, but Alex Haney, three syllables works. Craig yeah, Alex, Haney, Alex Haney. Well, that's uh, both three. I don't know what I'm saying. Should it be Alexander, maybe? Alexander Haney. Should I start going by that? that I gotta think like about a founding father. image thing, you know? Yeah. Like you should go by Lex, because that's what they're doing in Batman 5 Superman, right? It's not, his name is Alexander Luther, and they're like, nah, it's Lex Luther. Well, that's how it's always been in the comics, too. Well, that's it. Yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, it. that has been how I've always wanted to associate myself, is with some sort of a super villain. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, you have you tried uh, Martin Shkreli? 
Uh, no, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. We were the same age. We could have been in high school together. Really? You, you want to know what's fucked up? I was watching a thing on him today uh, on, on Vice. Um, oh, yeah, he's done all these interviews. Mm-hmm. And then he just appeared before Congress on C-SPAN. And then, right? he, yeah, he texted. He's like, these are all a bunch of idiots. I don't know what his problem is. But I think he lives in Xena's building. I can't approve this. But I watched the thing on Vice, and they go back to his apartment. I'm like, this looks mad familiar. <laughs> like, and he lives over on the east side of Midtown. And I'm like, interesting. This, yeah, it, I think it's Xena's building, which you yeah. saw I did. the other day. I did. Uh, you saw the outside of it. So you I could did. know I where can vaguely Charlie remember was. it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that was a night. It was a night. For those of you who <coughs> aren't familiar with Martin Screlly, he is probably the closest thing we have to a modern-day supervillain. Well, he's the guy that, the farmer bro, he jacked up the price of... Um, AIDS medication from... Daraprim. It's actually, yeah. it's an anti... Uh, an antiviral thing. It's not necessarily for AIDS. It's also for pregnant women. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a bunch of different people that are susceptible to this kind of virus, um, but AIDS patients in particular... He jacked it up from thirteen fifty. Thirteen dollars to seven hundred and fifty dollars. Which is but this is what I love about watching him on Vice. Uh he was like, Well no, it's fine. Like if you can't pay for it, just hit me up on Twitter. Oh, how kind of him. <laughs> yeah. And like He's I a guess philanthropist. Yeah, yeah. I really want to like reach out to this guy. Like Mm-hmm. You could DM him on Twitter. Like I thought he was following me for a while. I was like, "Why is Martin Shkreli following me?" Because I saw like the little uh, the little DM box, and I was like, "Wait a minute! How popular is Off Time Jive that this asshole is following us?" But that's not the case. But I think if I say <laughs> I can't afford your pills, I need them, and then loop them in that way. Hopefully, he doesn't listen to this. So, were you proud of of the idea that Shkreli was following? I had a, it was a strange feeling. Well, you know because. I mean, I like it when I get blue check marks following me. Sure. It's always like a proud feeling. But. What if he had like an Adolf Hitler check mark? If he had an Adolf Hitler check mark? We'd probably have to investigate that a little bit. No, but I mean, like, yeah. It's like this is verified. Hypothetically, yeah. This is the real. We found Hitler and he's on Twitter, motherfucker. What would his tweets be like? Oh, man. I don't know. About to go take a shower. <laughs> Short and to the point. Well, apparently he. There's a lot of people that think that he defected to Argentina. There's right. like pictures of him, like really, really. Well, I mean, have you eaten the food in Argentina? <clears throat> what is that? It's mean? obviously influenced. Yeah, yeah. Nobody would cook that way without the influence <laughs> of a major dictator. <laughs> right. No, there's like pictures of of like little old men that kind of look sorry, like. Did Hitler. I just insult all of Argentina? I think you, I think you might have. Do right. we have any listeners in Argentina? <laughs> all right. So Alex Haney, tell us about yourself. How do I know you? How did we we first met doing uh, fucking theater, which you've come back and have started doing again in New York? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. Have you worked with Rose the Rat, recently deceased? Uh. You know, I, I just did the sign of the cross. Again, it's radio. You can't see. But, um, yeah, that poor rat. No, we did not work together, unfortunately. It's one oh. of my biggest regrets. I was hoping to get an interview with her, and um, it really, it just, it, it never worked out. You know, I was busy. But, uh, you know, that's the case in New York. You move here, and you realize, no matter what you've done in your career, that there's going to be a rat with a better publicist than you. Yeah. <laughs> It is. That's, that's, that's fair enough. Sad. I mean, how many rat stories have appeared over the past couple months? There was oh, one there was the pizza, pizza rat, right? right? Pizza there was one. I there was one knew more the guy who, uh, who I guess, or maybe he knew. The, I don't know. Somebody I was hanging out with said, like, my friend was the guy who made that video, and he's like a stand-up comedian in town or whatever. And he was just saw a rat pulling a piece of pizza down the yeah. down the stairs, and he decided to film it and got you know a bazillion views. 
And that seems to be where it's at nowadays is like that made it. This guy's probably been on stage a million times and worked every club in the city. But that got him a million views. <laughs> and that, yeah. Fucking the internet. How does it work? I don't understand it. Well, that's good for doing a podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> his newfangled contraption. Yeah. We just try to appease it. <clears throat> now, anyway, um, so you, sir, are a filmmaker, an award-winning filmmaker at that. Yeah, well, there's a level of the awards. That we don't have to discuss. That, that you don't have to discuss, I suppose. But, yeah, um, I haven't shown up at a tux to receive any of them. Yeah. Let me put it that way. But, right. sure, I mean... They were I, both Razzie Awards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what's worse than... I've been nominated 25 times for a Razzie and never won. Hey, yeah. listen, like... You're just, you can put yourself up there with, uh, didn't J-Lo win something at one point? Not a Razzie, but, like, she won an actual award at one point, right? Maybe or a something? Grammy. An Maybe acting Grammy? award? Something like, you could say, like, I've shared the stage her, with, like... Her work in Anaconda was... Incredible. Yeah. Along with The Boy Next Door. No, what did she do? She, she did that movie with Robin Williams. Was it Jack? Was she in Jack? Jeez, I don't even remember. I think she was, like, the teacher in Jack. Huh. Okay. Well, I'll give her that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, what are you doing? Jennifer you brought Lopez this up has and... a Golden Globe nominee for Best Performance. He's using the internet. Oh, okay. He's using the internet on that little magic oh, box in his hand. 19 wins and 48 nominations. Really? 19 wins. 48 nominations. For what? Jennifer Lopez. For like Grammy? Probably like Grammy singles, right? Uh, this is IMDb. This is what it's telling me. Do they do music as well? Well, she can't have 48 nominations for the Grammys. Like... I suppose you She's can list it on IMDb result. if you win a Grammy. I don't. I don't think they would hold that from you. Oh, they they also they also put Razzies and MTV Movie Awards on here as well. So, Razzies is a very yeah, decorated I see. I see. performer. Yeah, very very decorated. Um. So, when I was just getting out of high school, I believe, a couple of my friends and I we went up to Orlando, um, because they were interested in applying for Full Sail. Hmm. A film school in Florida. Um, I had never intended to go there because I always wanted to do acting. They didn't have an acting program. But for whatever reason, I put my name down on some uh, like pamphlet or something. I guess just so they would let me into the school and and go sh- see the set where Amanda Bynes was filming a thing. Sure. Um, they have not stopped calling me. Oh yeah. Till this day, like I yeah. get a phone call at least twice a year from Full Sail. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they got a sales department too, just like yeah. anybody else. Well, just so. like New York Film Academy. Yeah, of course. I mean, in a Did lot it... of these film schools that have, that popped up in the last two decades, I think have been doing that uh, because they don't want to limit their um, their intake. But it's the attrition rate you got to look at. You yeah. know, uh, you got you got to see if like I mean, I, I went to Full Sail in right. two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Let, let's say. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it was an amazing school, but I only got out of it what I put into it. Right. And the thing is, is like, so I, I, I graduated, um, with good grades and then good contacts and then things, things, things went from there because I participated, but yeah. there's a whole 95% of my class that I don't hear anything from. I don't hear anything about them. Oh, but then there's sure. that 5% that I still mm-hmm. keep in touch with. A lot of them are here in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of them is seven floors down from down, us right man. now working in the control room on a big show so that's cool. um you know some you get you get what you want and that's how all these schools are nifa and and full sale mm. um they all have the equipment they all have the knowledge it's just a matter of whether or not you use it yeah you know? 
No, that's why I bring it up because I know that you went to Full Sail, and Full yeah. Sail is like a, a that's a school with a really good reputation these days. Like um, it's gotten there, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what it was uh, when you went. Um, it was a lot different. Yeah, yeah. They actually, when I first started going there, they were only in this one building on on uh, one side of University Boulevard, and then right. they moved into this whole mall, this whole strip mall area. Yeah, it looks like a bank. It's, it's, like, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they turned them all into studios. So we were actually the first class that shot in the new studios in on thirty five. And the reason I picked that school is because they were the only school that shot on thirty five millimeter film. Sure. Huh. And your tuition was a part of the stock. You know, so you were actually an EP, an executive producer, on the films you did. Right. So you have the right to use them and all that kind of stuff because you've paid for a part of the stock mm-hmm. of the film. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's why I chose it. It seemed to give you some freedom. But it wasn't by any means a, a, an auteur school. You know, you didn't go there to become like a director or whatever. You learn mm-hmm. everything. And then like I think we, seven of us directed one short film at the end of it. You know, Really? Kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting because a lot of film schools, yeah, they used to work like that. I know... Um, Kevin Smith talks about it all the time. The one that he went to, I, I don't even know if it's like a name school these days, but uh, or even back then, it was some like thing in Toronto. And mm. uh, he said the reason that he left after the first year was like they didn't have a guarantee that they would even be able to make a film. I don't know if that's the way NIFO works, but uh, I don't know. What do you think of that? Like, mm. would you do you think it would have been better to have? Did you get to direct your own? Um, officially, I mean, we got to direct little things on the way up, yeah. and, and they were introducing. This is at a time when, uh, first of all, film was transitioning into digital sure. on, on a major scale. Mm-hmm. So, and, and actually, that was really happening once I graduated. Th- thank God I went to school and paid thousands of dollars to learn how to cut film and, and process <laughs> film because it was obsolete as soon as I graduated. Hey, you right, the Tarantino, right. yeah, or no, Nolan. I, he, he's the only one at this point. Um, it's it's novelty, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, we did. <clears throat> excuse me, we did get to direct a little bit things on the way, and then for this sort of thesis uh, project, uh, we all kind of were given a scene mm-hmm. to do, which really was um, in a short film, was more like just a few shots in a row. But I think what was valuable about that, to me anyway, was uh, was that little bit of experience of having a few images to tell a story. You right, know? right. And you didn't, you know, you didn't want to like contradict what other, the other directors had done on the same film. We're talking a nine, ten minute piece so you don't want to contradict but you do want to make a mark you want people to see oh that's Mm -hmm. my scene or whatever so so i think that was a really good learning experience um and we and again it was shot on film so it was a it was an experience that's unparalleled today by most schools because i think they just throw you in front of the the red camera now or the alexa or whatever it is which are great cameras but you're not uh, i i firmly believe just because i was on the cusp of that generation you know that, that changed over from film to digital that you don't necessarily learn the philosophy of why you're shooting a scene the way you're shooting it or why you're cutting a scene the way you're cutting it because you don't have to have the high stakes right, right. of film and fucking up film, you yeah. know? So so with digital, it's just <laughs> you make a mistake, you move on, you do another thing. With non, I, I remember in 1998, this is going to go way back, junior in high school, and we got our first computer. We were doing everything linear decks, master deck, A and B bus, and switching over. Right. And you guys are looking at me like, what the <laughs> like, fuck what is that? I have no idea. No, I remember what going to the, primary yeah. school and they had those bright colored Macs with the, the different colored plastic shells around them. Oh, oh the, man. Oh, okay. The, so The gumdrop Mac. Yeah, yeah those right. Ones, the IMAX. The yeah. first IMAX, yeah. No, we, we got, I think this was on a PC and we had Adobe Premiere come in one day and we had been on these. To give you the background, you used to, you used to do on video and you, you would do like... 
uh, camera would go straight into this feed and then it would be recorded to like a tape, sure. which would be beta or whatever, and then you'd edit between two decks, and if you fuck up, you have to go back and lay it over again, which would lose some quality, or you'd start over completely. Mm -hmm. um, so there's an appreciation there, just as if when you slice a piece of film and then splice it together again, you're appreciating that because it's it's ruined. Right. You're right, essentially right. ruining to create. And with digital, like I was saying, in 1998, I saw the first computer and it took 20 minutes to drag a clip from left to right, but you could do it non-linearly. You could change the time and place of any element of a piece of film and move it anywhere you want. And at the time, again, it took 20 minutes every time you took a cut because it was rendering and computers were slow back then and they would mm -hmm. hold like you know a floppy disk worth of information. But you could see the potential at that time, and then boom, it just started happening. You know? Right. So as an old curmudgeon man, <laughs> um, how, how do you feel about things like Snapchat or Vine where you can edit things within six seconds just on your phone? You know, I mean, I, like it's easy, it's easy to be – I mean, I, I've been devoted to this since I was a little kid. And, and so, of course, it's easy to be a contrarian about things like when you guys see a Star Wars movie you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, you know. But, right. But the th but and, and, and it was at first like, oh, man, what, how much appreciation for film can you have if you're doing something for six seconds or, mm. you know, this instant gratification kind of, a, kind of thing we go through now. But in reality, actually telling a story in six seconds is probably one of the hardest things you can do. Yeah. So if you're legitimately challenging yourself and you're mm -hmm. weeding out all the, the nonsense, then you know six seconds in telling a story is, is quite an accomplishment. It's kind of amazing. There are people on Vine. I remember when Vine, like all of these little social networking things that come mm -hmm. up, I, I feel like I am the old curmudgeonly person where I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what yeah. what what was the point of this? I don't get it. What is a vine? You're making these loops? It's like, what? I don't get it. But there are some people, usually it'll be like funny people. It'll be comedians and stuff that will get like a little good zinger in there in six seconds. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen like a, a, a six second film where I'm like, oh my God, this is wonderful. You just burst but, down into, you know, tears. Yeah. It's emotional. It's riveting. But nah. you could. You could. You That's could. the thing. You could. And it's there and it's possible. And I don't know if, if any serious filmmakers are going after that right now, but mm -hmm. I bet you some of the kids that are doing it could become serious filmmakers f because of it. Well, it we've tried. To, we've seen that transition in the past. There have been different mm -hmm. Vine stars. The thing about Vine stars is um, a good majority of them are just assholes. Sure. sure. And I mean, like, That's, not... That, not, a, not <laughs> that unanimously social, agreed. That's, well, social, <laughs> that social media influencers in general. They yeah, get well, so it's not even, like... These assholes on their hoverboards making vines, which fuck those people. Oh my god, Martin Shkreli was on a hoverboard when he was oh, talking about vice. Interview. Yeah. yeah, fuck those people. Oh, wait, can we can we just go back a little bit here and sort of redefine what a hoverboard is? Because it's I think what you're talking board, yeah. about it is those things on yes. wheels yeah. that are sort of electric skateboards. And yes. and, and and as film nerds it's, here, it's a segue we can all appreciate. Wheels. Yeah, or they're not hoverboards. Yeah. Yes, no, no, there's nothing hovering. Now yeah. Lexus made that thing right that that, that, that does it on. That's a hoverboard, even though you're contained to the track. Mm -hmm. But still, that's a hoverboard. I give him credit for that. It's got the smoky shit that comes out of it. That's cool. Yeah, it has like LEDs in it. Yeah. It's like no, it's from listen. the fucking future. Absolutely. We talked about this last time, but did you hear about the one? It was a father who had tried out his kid's hoverboard, mm. fell, concussed himself, lost the, like, the last six years of memory. Wow. So can you imagine waking up in a hospital and saying, oh, you know, sorry, it's not 2010. It's actually 2016. And you fell off a hoverboard. Like, Whoa, how yeah. cool that would sound until you realize... Back to the Future was right. And they're yeah. like, no, we have to... We've redefined hoverboards because people in the future are dicks. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like, it's like you know, a segue, that thing that 
bush fell off of. Like that, but without the steering handle. Happen? Yeah, he couldn't fucking figure out how to use a Segway. It was hilarious. So this this me, guy but... bought this for his kid, and then he was riding it, and he... And he, he, and fell he fell and concussed himself. And he concussed, and he lost <coughs> six years lost of memory. Six years. Yep. I mean, the, the advantage I see there is that uh, he'll have no memory of making that stupid purchase for his son. <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, but no, like most, most Vine stars... Um, there has been one, I can't remember his name, probably because it's so inconsequential, that he sure. tried to do a reality TV show. It's like, oh, this is happening, and he, and he's just an asshole. <laughs> he's just an asshole. Well, I think that this, like, this, this idea of these six-second videos, I think that if you were an editor, if you're a filmmaker, it can put you in a very interesting mindset, and it could teach you to do different things. I wonder the efficacy of, like, coming into filmmaking from a vine maker's perspective yeah. and then trying to transition into actual well i mean even doing things like shorts like short videos like short two-minute sketch comedy things yeah. into movies like we've seen that fail horrendously mm -hmm. in the past couple of years i mean movie 43 is probably the big standout thing where um you didn't like movie 43 no it was absolute garbage Did i you didn't see that i movie? didn't see movie one through 42 so i guess <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, i, didn't I guess i couldn't keep on. up it's actually really funny too because <laughs> movie 43 came out like what a year or a couple months ahead of that movie 42 really i just find, oh, I about found Jackie that Robinson? funny yeah um <laughs> no relation no no relation yeah. did you did you hear about movie 43 yeah no i think i actually i actually think i saw it yeah they uh i don't want to say blackmailed but they kind of entrapped all the actors to be in that movie interesting because they got hugh jackman first and then he was like well, you know. Barry, right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but every actor they went up to is like well you know Hugh Jackman's in the movie. Right. And right, then so they're right. just like, all right, I'll sign on. Yeah. Hugh Jackman's in X-Men Origins Wolverine. That's, this is true. You know what else he's in? What? Nothing. Well, you know, I mean, that is that is how a lot of these um, these films get made, you know, based on their celebrity attachments, which is no secret. But mm -hmm. I think what people don't fully understand is that when these movies... Uh, when these movies are made, a lot of times the scripts are one way, and then you, you've really got interaction from a sales agent that's changing these things. These these are the guys who are going to the foreign markets, which are four to one anything you sell in America, you're going to sell in in, in, in the Asian and the European markets between four and ten to one. So when you, and and they want to buy Hugh Jackman, they don't want to buy um, you know the sequel to Gone with the Wind. No one cares. They sure. just want these celebrities. That's what they see. They love the Americana about it and all that kind of stuff. So when you're working with sales agents, and well, what I do is, is a lot of indie film stuff. I mean, it's only indie film. I, I've, I've avoided the studios like a plague. Um, and, 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 I, and I see the, and the struggle with, with my colleagues and with everybody that, that's trying to make these films is that you have to get some kind of a, you know name attached for no good reason other than that they have a name. And yeah. so a sales agent will go to you and say, you know, uh, these stars aren't good enough. You got to get this, this, and that. And I think that that can happen. You can get these letters of intent. You can get cash up front for actors. There's so much uh, politicking going on that a lot of times I don't think the actors even see what they're getting involved in. So I can see a, a thing like movie 43 happening, and you do. You see it happen all the time. Well, yeah. it's interesting because you see the uh, the other end of the spectrum is that is back when Ridley Scott did that movie Exodus: Gods and Kings. Mm -hmm. Uh, and did you hear the interview when he was talking about that? Because someone confronted him and was like, why are you making a movie about Egyptians? And the cast is entirely white people. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and he was like, well, you see, no one's going to fund or watch a movie with Habibity Bob in it. You need, like, an actual person to be in it. And everyone was like, wow. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah. That, that's uh... the, the least... <laughs> wow. The least diplomatic way you could possibly say that yeah it almost sounds like performance art and it almost yeah. sounds like, like 
like it's it's a filmmaking equivalent to Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> basically, it's George Lucas. It's basically George Lucas. Yeah, except uh, Donald Trump never made Alien, so you know. It's a fair you point. You that. that, but but then again, <laughs> Ridley Scott. He'll tell you. But yeah. yeah. Then again, Ridley Scott also made The Counselor. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, look again. It's the same thing. I mean, I I don't judge a filmmaker too much by by their last film, but. But I think the world does, and the sales world does for sure. So you know, you're 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 only as weak as your last. So what's your you stance know. on M Night Shyamalan? I uh, saw him outside of the misery. misery play. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I started liking Shyamalan um, years ago when you know Sixth Sense came out, or whatever, and that was a good thriller. I was working for a company um, for a while that was. Uh, re-editing films into uh, new lengths and new perspectives. So it, they were, this guy had like 36 patents. He's the guy that invented the skip-to-scene technology really? on DVDs. Oh, wow. He was a bazillionaire and an eccentric, <laughs> and he put me through all these weird tests to get the job and all this other stuff. Um, and, and so one of my job, my specific job, was to turn two-hour feature films into 60-minute films for like classrooms and airplanes and things. But there were also jobs in there where people were taking, turning Spider-Man into only a love story. So you cut out a lot of the action sequences, and you have uh, between Spider-Man and uh, what's her name, marijuana, Mary yeah, Jane, Mary Jane, Mary Jane. Yeah. Um, and and you have and you just have those scenes, or you would just turn it into like from the goblins, Green Goblins perspective, and they were right. recut in these creative ways, using only the footage they had to make these new films. And one of my films to to work on was The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Actually, the two first films I worked on was The Sixth Sense and um, uh, The Wedding Crashers. Now the difference between those two films, obviously, one's a comedy, one's a thriller. Mm-hmm. But when looking, there's at, a slight difference. There is a slight. But when it comes down to cutting two two-hour films into a one-hour film, you're looking mm-hmm. at it from the perspective of how do I keep a story? How do I keep it either funny or thrilling? Sure. And what I found was the Sixth Sense was very easy, uh, challenging. But I mean, it was it was easier to cut into 60 minutes because there was a good uh, plot line. There was a good pattern. You could cut out some of the subplot. Um, and and you could actually almost increase some of the thrilling elements in the film. And, and I thought it was a good 60-minute piece. Sure. Um, and then with The Wedding Crashers, it was incredibly difficult because mm-hmm. you're like, well, one person might find one sight gag better than the other. How do you keep it funny? Do you keep the story? Yeah. Do you keep the nudity? Do you, what do you what do? You, do? <coughs> um, you know, what's going to entice the audience more? So as far as my opinion of Shyamalan, it actually kind of increased based on that experience. Mm-hmm. Then I saw The Village. You know, <laughs> so like there, there's I don't know. I mean, he and that's objectively not even his worst movie. No, it's not. And look, he's he's one of these guys. I think he could do a good film soon. You know, I think maybe he's due. I don't think he's an idiot. I mm-hmm. think that he has a formula. Maybe he follows. I think he's in a sort of a Spielbergian camp, um, and and maybe not quite as good. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know that that's another thing too. And maybe we can sidebar on this. Is just the idea that, that Spielberg is 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 such a he's he's given such a bad rap in the indie circuits you know and like these artsy guys and all this stuff and and sure. i've always been one of those guys but i still think spielberg is is a genius well spielberg makes yeah. kind of if, if you exclude kingdom of the crystal skull he makes two types of films he makes <laughs> fun adventure movies mm-hmm. and he makes listen i'm gonna teach you something type of movies sure yeah i saw bridge of spies recently was, i i couldn't i didn't yeah. know where the fuck that movie was playing really yeah, it opened in what five hundred theaters. It yeah, was playing it nowhere in this area. Yeah, I saw it over on the on the east side somewhere in Midtown. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. When it first opened, it was it wasn't playing anywhere around here, which is yeah. 
that doesn't happen in New York. Like, yeah. where it's it's a, a, arguably a pretty big city. Well, even Hateful Eight was only playing in one theater on seventy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on seventy millimeter. Well, that well, I, it, I'll it, give it, it because like playing in a two or three, but since the road shows kind of like yeah, wound yeah. down, it's right. now yeah. decreased to one. But that'll get that them because like it's a Star difference Wars. in technology at this point. Like yeah. they might not even have the equipment for that, um, and certainly not projectors that know what they're doing. Uh, which I heard was a huge problem with Hateful Eight. I, I saw it twice, and and we didn't have any problems with the projection, but they must have like gotten their shit together by yeah, then, I guess. Yeah. You know? I, well, I heard like dozens and dozens of stories online of, of people going to see the seventy millimeter version, and it's out of focus, just, or yeah, the sound's not synced up, or they did not know what they were doing. Yeah, um, which is a shame because it's a beautiful fucking movie. Uh, but Shyamalan, um, I, 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 to, to get back to your point, because I did mm-hmm. diverge a little there, but uh, I, I, I think, I think he could come out with a good movie. Oh, I'm yeah. not saying he's he got, has the capacity. I'm not to do saying one. yeah. I'm not saying he has like the 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 portfolio of a genius filmmaker, but I think that he does have. Um, yeah, filmmaking is the hardest thing you can do because it's so collaborative as an art form. You know, yeah. it's so collaborative. It takes an army. Right. Um, and to be able to communicate is the key. And what I see in all of Shyamalan's films, good or bad, was clear communication. And I, I see I see all, all the moves seem to be focused. So it's kind of like, you know. Have you seen After Earth? No, I didn't. Yeah, I want to reconsider okay, that. Okay, maybe, maybe. That. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's like um, jujitsu. Uh, which is, is uh, well, no, 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 that's not a good example. Uh, well, maybe. Okay, jiu-jitsu, you're crawling around on the ground. Arguably, you could watch a fight in just jiu-jitsu and go, I could think of 20 better ways to kill this guy. Sure. And But yet, it's a focused discipline, and I think that's kind of what, what Shyamalan was doing. Again, I didn't see the film you're talking about, but even with the one where everyone killed themselves because of the wind or whatever it was, <laughs> plot aside, oh, the mechanics were well-oiled. Sure. Yeah, just not the cinematography. No, the I, acting, I'll give you that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll give you that. Like The pacing. A Shyamalan film is a Shyamalan film. It, Whatever he's trying to do, he succeeds in doing it. It's just not... Happening is a curious case, though. Because with Happening, you have this whole That's thing a of like a... Yeah. The, this clusterfuck of, oh, you know, when people when people first saw the movie, they were shaking. They were so disturbed. And after the movie came out, it's like, oh, it's, 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 it's a B-movie. It's a B-movie. It's supposed to be funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, rem- yeah, I remember the advertising for that. They were like, this is his first, first rated R-rated R movie. Film. Yeah. And I was like, really? That seems surprising. But, um, interesting, I'll go in. But... the Tonally, it Last did Airbender. not. Like, I'll almost, piece yeah. of shit. I'll almost side with him on that, though, because tonally, it does come off as a B-movie. It does not sell the tone that they were uh, selling in the trailers and it, stuff It's, like it's that. very much, and that's what happened with The Village, and that's what happened more recently with Crimson Peak. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's where the movies, Iron Man 3 is another one, where the movies advertise to be one way. And it's not at all indicative of that tone in the actual film. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that Shyamalan is like Tommy Wiseauing and say no, it was a comedy the whole time. Yeah. Um, when clearly that was not his intention. Yeah. I think that the the happening, just looking at it, just the score of it, the way the actors are performing, all of it, it it seems like a throwback to to fifties sci fi. Well, it's really funny too <laughs> when you hear him like have conversations with Matt Damon. Uh huh. Or sorry, not Matt Damon. Mark, uh, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, the other him, other actor from The Departed. Um, and Mark Wahlberg's just <laughs> talking. And if you listen to Mark Wahlberg even talk, like, thinking back on that what? movie. No. Yeah, well, he'll, he'll just be like, fuck it. It's a piece of shit. The trees? Whatever. At least I'm not a cop or a criminal. <laughs> we have to like, outrun that was, the wind. That was his whole thing. Like, 
he was like, it's a sh- it's a piece of shit. And then, like, you see him talking to M. Night Shyamalan on set, and he's just like, I don't get this. Yeah. Why does this make any sense? And he's like, why Why would we go to here for food? They have guns. They're shooting at us. Why would we ask for food? There's obviously... And M. Night Shyamalan is like, two words. Canned goods. <laughs> and then Mark Wahlberg's just like, all right. Fuck it, all right. Well, let, let, let me ask you this, though. Uh, if... if no. If five movies came out a year, mm-hmm. and and the happening was one of them, mm-hmm. all right. And let's say it's a grab bag. The other four, okay. So you're gonna have like maybe a superhero flick, and you're gonna have maybe one uh, Meryl Streep type, uh, you know, <laughs> conversational Oscar piece. Bay yeah, uh, some Oscar bait, whatever. But there's five films, and you get those five films to go by. I mean, w- would you have the same opinion, or would you have found that entertaining? I mean, because. Oh, I totally from, found the happening entertaining. Oh, the happening's like, fun to watch. Okay, <laughs> it's it's fun to watch in this whole samurai cop type thing. It's just it's well, God, not well, not well, good. It's it's amazing. What do you say about the about the films you hate? <laughs> um, oh, listen to our Jurassic World one. I fucking hated that movie. Oh God, yeah. Well, that was awful. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had you had to have. You had to be intoxicated and see it in 3D and I, have someone else pay for it to even well, I actually, enjoy that. I saw that movie, what was it, opening night? Second opening night? That's my ticket stub. That burnt piece of shit sitting next to the TV. He burnt the <laughs> ticket and he put it in his television. That's, and that, um, there it sits as a reminder. That sounds uh, <coughs> it's, That sounds therapeutic. It, it actually really was. The burning, I mean, not well, the yeah, watching yeah, the film. Yeah. Well, the putting of the ticket in the thing just... Does not sound therapeutic. It sounds like a permanent, like when the mouse is on your screen and when you're trying to watch Netflix. Yeah, That's I mean, exactly what look, that is. This is my. This is an example of how my wallet looks. All right, all right. <laughs> I've got. Uh, there's a little Revenant. bit of money in it, right? I'm pulling, there's like a twenty dollar bill, and then there's and then Alien? there's movie theater yeah. ticket stubs. Okay. You saw you saw Alien in the IFC. I actually saw down the street uh, Aliens in the. Yes, yeah, so I paid fifteen dollars to go see a movie of which I have two director's cut editions <laughs> on DVD and Blu-ray. Hey, it's right, a okay. safer bet so than... There is, is there, there's this whole thing. Like, there are two types of people. People who prefer alien to aliens and people who prefer aliens to alien. Which are you? You're, you're asking me if I prefer Ridley Scott or James Cameron, really. Well, the type of movie. Because I okay, do feel well, like... No, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's fair, and then you guys will probably lose half your audience on this one, but I don't think it's fair to talk about alien and aliens without talking about the four uh, alien movies that were made by four filmmakers. And you have... Ridley Scott, James Cameron, David uh, Lynch, David no David, David Fincher, Fincher, yeah, and uh, Jean uh, Jean Pierre Jeunet, and whoever uh, made Alien I, versus Predator. That, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not counting Paul that. The motherfucker the who made the, the Resident series. Evil movies made Alien versus Predator. I wasn't even counting the Alien versus Predator movies, but 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 if you go into the up through the fourth film, where the where the storyline still continuing from the first film, um, the fourth one had a story. Yeah. Well, and that was Jean-Pierre Genet. If you're familiar with his films, he's done uh, City of Lost Children. He's done Amelie. Um, he, uh, gosh, he's, he's done some really great French cinema. Yeah. And, uh, and in, in French, and with all the colors he gets to play with, it was amazing. But what I thought was neat was in each one of those films, those filmmakers, again, I go back to a filmmaker is somebody who has a voice. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, getting the director role on the new Iron Man movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love you, John Favreau, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it's not just about that. It's about having a voice, and you're going to see. Like when you go to see Hateful Eight, what are you going to see? 
You want to see a Tarantino movie, right? Yeah. Right. And there's a few people that have that status, you know. And I and and they have that Hitchcockian ability to know what an audience is going to do and when it's going to happen and whatever. Yeah. I saw Hateful Eight twice in the theaters <clears throat> within a week, um, and I got to watch an audience react in the same way twice. A different mm-hmm. audience react in the same way, and I thought that's where the filmmaking comes in because Tarantino ha- has has conducted that orchestra. Right. Um, so there's four Alien movies. So you've got the Ridley Scott. Um, uh, you know, sort of very, very textbook sci-fi. Forty-five minutes of exposition. You know, you've got a lot of technical exposition. You, you've got a, a real, a real-world reason why they're there and up in the up in space. And then you got the second movie, which was a James Cameron action flick. Okay, all still on on par with their filmmaking styles. Then you have uh, who did I say that? David Fincher. He made a serial killer movie out of the third Alien movie. You had one by one people dropping off because there was this elusive serial killer in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's what he does, even with uh, the social media. Uh, oh, yeah, the social. The social that yeah. was a serial killer movie too, because he was just knocking people off to get what he needed. You know, he was right. obsessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and and that's and that's what you know, Seven and, and all his movies he did. Oh, um, sure. They're oh. all serial killer movies. So he stuck to tone, and I think that's where the franchise went, and that's what's more unique and interesting about that franchise. Am I like the guy who's just going to say all the positive, like, uh, <laughs> like, like uh, non-traditional things about these movies? I mean, hey, man, no, we need that every once in a while. That's an interesting perspective. <clears throat> I've never heard of that. Um, although, to put this in perspective, I believe David Fincher wanted to quit filmmaking entirely after making Alien 3. Well, we all want to quit filmmaking entirely after making our last film, especially when we're bought into by a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't take... I mean, take Joss Whedon, for example. You know, what that, happened to him? That Twitter. Might be, Twitter that, happened to that, him. That might be a little uh, post-traumatic stress or something, you know, that, mm-hmm. that he was going through. But in appreciation of the lexicon of his work, I think you can look back on it and say at least he was playing with his own tone. Yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. I mean, you also have uh, movies like... <coughs> The Mission Impossible franchise is another grab bag of directors. I mean, you have the first one uh, directed by the same person did Scarface, the second one by John Woo, the the third one by J.J. Abrams, which was one of his, I think it was his first movie, correct? Um, Yeah, it was. Fourth one by Brad Bird, who did The Incredibles, and the fifth one by Guy Who Did the Red movie, which oddly worked. And every director kind of puts their own thing on it. Yeah. To mixed results, but I mean, it's it's interesting not even seeing that each director brings their own passion to it, but it's a movie that can be so entirely different with each iteration you see of it. Yeah. You may, like, I love the first Mission Impossible movie, I hate the second Mission Impossible movie. It's it's a very interesting conundrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's, I, you know, and that's another example. I didn't see all the Mission Impossibles. I remember seeing the first one in theaters when it came out. Um, and of course, that was impressive to us all because it was a, it was sort of the beginning of that time where they were starting to make movies out of old TV shows, right. and yeah. and so we were all excited about it. Now you can't turn around without a reboot, sequel, remake, redo. Oh yeah, everything is IP. Now. Blah blah yep. blah blah blah. Nothing that's not IP. And if I may segue into this, the Back to the Future trilogy is still mm-hmm. one of my favorites because it has no opportunity for that to happen to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, the uh, what was it the screenwriters? They held the creative control rights of those yeah. movies, so they can't remake right. it or make another one without their go ahead. And they said that oh, as, they long said, yeah, as, as long as they live. as long as they live, there will never be a remake. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's a great thing, and it it, it, it keeps the because look, you know why I, I understand when you do a, a revival of a play. Okay, yeah. you're seeing something live, and it has to be redone in front of you in order to do it. Right? Why, in the holy fuck, do you need to remake a movie that's on film? Mm-hmm. Why, like Psycho, Gus Van Sant? Why? 
Especially you know? when it's shot for shot like Psycho, where sure. you're like, well, now, I don't understand. Yeah, well, you go there, and it's almost like, okay, if you were on your own time and your own money, yeah. I could see wanting to do that. Like the kid that did the Indiana Jones thing years <laughs> ago, do you remember that? on fire? Yeah, whatever yeah. it was. He, he shot for shot. He recreated Indiana Jones. That's a, that's a paralleled accomplishment. But but to to just to, to remake for a new audience that's purely business and and we get swallowed up in it um, and and it's it's like it's not even an adaptation it's it's simply just let's how do we refranchise this or turn it into an all female or all black cast or whatever just punctuating these right. ideas of inequality and blah 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 blah. To be fair, we haven't seen Paul Feig's Ghostbusters yet. Could be great. I uh, to look be fair, and, uh, benefit of the doubt. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that uh, shitting on the new Ghostbusters movie because it's all female. I don't care about that. Is that an extended universe thing? Is that like they're no. making it into? No, they're marvelizing it's, it. Are they making, making it an extended in, universe? Yeah, they're go. I I don't know if it's going to be in continuity with the first ones. That's what I'm asking. I mean, is it? Is it? I heard it was like the Ghostbusters entity had been franchised, not the movie, yeah. but I mean within the movie. Ghostbusters oh, itself okay. became it's like a fire plot. department, right? I have no idea. And so yeah. now there's little Ghostbusters operations popping up all over the country, mm-hmm. and this, we're zooming in on these four this girls. Because they're doing it in Boston. They're not in New York. Right. So, so I think, it, yeah, that's what I heard is that it's like within the film, within the plot of the film, that it's been franchised as mm-hmm. a ghost-busting uh, job yeah. that people have, and then we're we're focusing on these four girls and their story. Okay. You know? So so yeah, maybe that could be good. Maybe, it wouldn't, but you know, it's just hard to well, see like, these old films get. Well, a lot I mean, of people it's, it's, shit on it because it's all female, and what I, I like. My problem with that movie that. has nothing no. to do with that. Yeah. I'm just like, why are you remaking Ghostbusters? Yeah, that's my problem. Although, it's, why it's, does it exist? Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it has nothing to do with male or female. It's harder to look at things like uh, Paul, two of Paul Verhoeven's movies were remade recently: uh, Total mm. Recall and RoboCop, both right. to right. very bad turnouts. But it's right. it was weird reading interviews with I think it was the it was either the director or it was Colin Farrell and it was definitely with Total Recall. And the reasoning behind making this reboot was, was like, oh, you know, I, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you look at the old one and it just looks kinda outdated. So we're just gonna mm. go in with like new special effects and make it look pretty and I'm like, fuck you. We'll just yeah. shovel a bunch of shit into the frame that wasn't. It's just there so dense. Every frame is just so dense. There's so yeah. much going on we'll in put every bu- frame. We'll put a bunch of rocks in front of Arnold Schwarzenegger so it looks like he's hiding or something. We'll, we'll re edit his scream to sound ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Those are Star Wars references. I don't know if you picked up on that. You know, I, um, I, I, I'm one of these guys. I knew this was going to come up, but uh, I'm one of these guys that uh, I, I watched this. Oh, God. Here goes your audience. Sure. Uh, I watched the Star Wars movies, you know, when I was a kid, and I've seen them recently. And I think I even watched the prequels in theaters or whatever. I, well, and look, I didn't have, like, that strong of a negative opinion as much as I don't have an, a strong negative opinion about... Uh, the Farce Awakens, but um, I, I think that you know, I mean, it had it, in some ways when when something becomes that that known in a stratosphere, it's going to lose its uh, specialness. That's mm. that's not a that's yeah. not a word for my old English teachers to hear, but you know what I mean. Like it's, right, it, it, right. It, it's fever. Yeah, it, it it loses its potency because it's too potent. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, you, you got high expectations and all this other stuff. I mean, what I, I honestly like the reason I went to see Hateful Eight twice, and the reason I saw, let's see, let's look through my movie tickets. I saw <laughs> The Revenant, I saw Hateful Eight, uh, Trumbo, Bridge of Spies, right? Because none of those movies had ever been done before. I was going to see something, and I didn't know much about those movies. Yeah, and that's all that my fervor for, uh, for movies has ever been. Mm-hmm. Has been like re, like 
you know, being excited about a new story and 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 just like can taking just, around corners. Can so. we just backtrack? You paid fifteen dollars to see Alien, a movie that you own twice again. Just, I did. Just to you know, remind you of that. I did. Now half of that is my living situation. Um, I I have several roommates, and between the hours of five and ten p.m., they're up and in the living room. So I go to movies during sure. that time. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll go to my office and I'll work, but, uh, you know, most of the time I'll just go to the movies and it's just something I go to the movies by myself, which is weird because I've always had a a tremendous fear of choking on popcorn. (laughs) Um, It's a valid concern, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I I went to see, you're really going to hate this. I went to see The Lone Ranger in theaters. Um, All right. But again, it was one of those things. You were one of the only people that did. uh, I was, in fact, I was the only person in that theater. Really? And I sat there and had a, I had a private screening with a, with a bag of popcorn um, to watch this, this Disney-fied Lone Ranger thing. And again, you know, I, don't, I didn't have expectations. I just was killing some time, right? Yeah. What better way to do it in Manhattan than go to a film? I think that's one of my favorite things to do. And IFC Theater, if I can give them a plug, and I happily will, it, it always does these kind of things. They'll always put out films from, you know, the old days. Or right now, the film forum is running every Coen Brothers film. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. sure, I've, I own them. I've downloaded them. I've watched them on Netflix, all that stuff. But there's nothing like sitting in a theater, and especially when not many people do go. So oh, you I, get, like, I completely theater agree. Like, screening, you know. I've been to the film forum and watched Starship Troopers. Um, yeah. God, so many films. 2001 Space Odyssey, they usually play I there. I saw again. that at BAM with full, like, like orchestra sound and like, amazing. Yep. That's mm-hmm. another thing they do around here, too, is they'll do, like, uh, I saw the original Dracula um, with the Philip Glass Orchestra in Brooklyn, right. and they did the score live. Wow. <laughs> I love doing that stuff. I mean, that, that's, that's a great way to see an old film. Mm-hmm. Now, if they remade Dracula, which obviously they've done a million times, but if they remade that Dracula and just put it in theaters with, mm-hmm. like, Colin Firth... <laughs> I, I I can't see myself enjoying enjoying that film, you know. Right. Um, but you revamp the old one, and that's what I think would would be great if they were doing. I wish that I wish that the that the the uh, the main demographic would get excited about re-releases and things like that. And, well, I mean, and, you know, sure. The most recently re-released movie was the Back to the Future. They played one, two, and three sequentially sure. one night after the other because of and the before because of the anniversary of yeah. the uh, the 2015 thing. Sure. And when they did, it was the highest grossing movie that box office weekend. And there was only one showing of each film. Yeah. That means across the nation, yeah. every theater that played that film was packed. Yeah. More so than the current releases. Yeah. Well, I think there's a there's an exclusivity there, too. It's like, you know, limited time only, one time now, come see it. So, yeah. so like, you do get bigger numbers when you sell something that way. Um, and, and obviously Back to the Future still has a huge following, which they none of them expected. You yeah, know? which is weird because, I mean, I was when I was at New York Comic Con this past year, like the there was an abhorrent was amount huge. of people, yeah, dressed up as like Marty McFly and Doc right. Brown. And I was thinking yeah. like, oh, it's the, they like because Rick and Morty, but like, no, nah, it's like oh, the anniversary no, yeah. of Back to the Future. I'm like, oh. Oh, people people care. I, mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I get it's a good movie, but I don't. Well, here was our biggest missed a... opportunity at New York Comic Con. They were doing that. The, they did the oh, Pepsi yeah. New. Yeah, you remember Pepsi the, New? The Pepsi, uh, Pepsi, Pepsi Perfect. Pepsi Perfect. Yeah. There you go. go. Um, they were doing Pepsi Perfect from Back to the Future Part Two. Uh, Pepsi did this whole promotional release. They did it in like the bottle, like it looks like in the movie, and oh, they gave right. yeah they gave out uh, like X amount, like how many were at New you York had Comic-Con? to purchase it. Yeah, you had, you to, had purchase to purchase it. it, but they'd only sell it to you if you're dressed up like a character from Back to the Future. Right. Wow. But and I was thinking because they were selling them for like twenty Can bucks. You imagine a piece. if like healthcare was that way. Yeah. Eh. 
kind of. I, actually, that would be awesome if that was yeah. what Obamacare was. Yeah, like you only get you could get free health care, but you have to yeah. be dressed as Marty McFly or Alan Greenspan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were selling them for twenty bucks, and I'm like, that's so stupid. Why would you pay twenty dollars for a yeah. fucking bottle of Pepsi? Yeah. They were selling you for seven hundred dollars. Yeah, you actually talked me out of getting it, and this is before I knew I had to be dressed up like Marty you McFly. You weren't dressed like a character from Back to the Future, no, and so I didn't know that. You. But I was saying like. And I was thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll stop by the Back to the Future thing and buy a soda. And you're like, fuck you. That's an awful idea. There's so many things that I wish I could talk you out of that I don't. Yeah, that's a fair point. But um, uh, Like but buying yeah, Blu-rays was... that you can't watch. And... But, yeah, but there was, um, but yeah, it was selling for $700. And actually, they because it was such a big thing, they re-released the bottles a couple months later. And that was a whole big controversy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because they said that they were going to release so many, like, let me say a thousand, just because I don't know the actual number. Um, but when they actually went up on sale... They had like twenty available, mm. and that was because I guess internal employees at the Pepsi site were like handing out links to like their friends and family, say buy these because they're going to sell out and they're going to be really expensive. Yeah, and so they're all gone. Do you know if that newspaper's worth anything? <clears throat> uh, we tried to I find tried it, we could not it. find yeah, it. I know you can back order for like four ninety nine off their actual website. Yeah, because I, so. uh, I I I was looking at it, and then uh, my brother in law actually came back uh, from a from a trip he was on, and he. He's seen the movie, but he's not, you know, he's not one of us. He's not a movie guy. Um, And he goes, yeah, I went to pick up a copy of USA Today. And, like, this was in it kind of weird, right? Like, he wasn't even aware of the hype. And I grabbed it like like it was a golden ticket out of Willy Wonka. (laughs) I was like, oh, you don't need to know what this is. Um, And I grabbed it. And and he's like, yeah, you can keep it. It's a piece of paper, you know. But I thought this has got to be worth something or whatever. It probably will be. You know, and I... I, to me, it was a cool piece of memorabilia. I'll never sell it. It's just it's a nice thing to have. But yeah. uh, but if you told me right now <coughs> that that was worth seven hundred dollars, um, I'd sell it to you for six. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be good like that. I right, right. Um, it might be. I don't know. Well, if you guys let, let me know if you find that out because yeah, I've got one. We'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, dude. I did um, the same thing with Star Wars posters. Oh yeah, DJ? yeah. I mean, you know, that, that one. Look, like, back in the day, I had uh, I had the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, <laughs> figurines, right? right? Mm-hmm. And we took them out of the packages and played with them, which any non-serial future serial killer child right, should right. be doing. Yeah. And then I grow up and I find out these things are worth millions of dollars, and that there's Crazy. a bunch of people that did keep them in the packaging. Yeah. So who are these people? <laughs> who are these people? And 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 whose skin is on their lampshades? Is what right. I mean. Well, I mean, right. even like comic books too. I mean, no one thought those were gonna. They were selling for fucking ten cents initially. Sure. And there was, I think, I mean, it's kind of died down now, but a couple years ago, comic books were worth like thirty thousand dollars a piece, sure. well, even more so. Yeah. The thing about comic books, even more than that, is A, nobody thought to save them, and B, they're printed on paper that basically eats away at itself. Yeah. Like if, you, if you've if you stored it in any, like all of those old Superman comics from the 30s and stuff, even if you had one and you kept it, in, it would probably just be gone. Like if you keep it in a room with any sort of humidity or whatever, it just dissolves. I actually, I had, uh, my uncle gave me an issue, like he gave me his old box of comics and one of them was, uh, I think Spider-Man, I think it was issue 52, which was Spider-Man No More. It's that iconic shot that Sam Raimi used in Spider-Man 2 where the Spider-Man suit's in the garbage can and Peter mm-hmm. Parker's walking away. I had that and I, it was great. I loved it. And my cousin took it and now I have no idea where it is. How do you explain Gray's sports almanac then if this paper is deteriorating so quickly oh it's the dust jacket that's right they had to they they did explain that they actually covered that (laughs) that's interesting exactly have you guys seen all this conspiracy theory stuff about back to the future and 9-11 and all that stuff I have not seen a 9-11 back to the future crossover oh man although i do have a story about 9-11 to share but 
Continue. That sounds uplifting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the um, there there were these there were these theories, and uh, it came out of course around that same time, around the 2015 thing and whatever. But but there was theories that um, there's there's all kinds of spots where. It's uh, the time on the clock at the Twin Pines Mall. If if upside down, it's nine one one. And then there's uh, like the two the two fire trails of the of when the when the car goes into the future, and you see the two fire trails is right next to this big nine in the oh, last shot. Oh, you know what I have heard this. Um, yeah. And then there's all, and then there's two there's Twin Pines that gets turned into one, which is two towers turned into one, and there's all kinds of other sort of plot based stuff. Um, there's a guy that did a video on it, and he's a quack and whatever. But you know, go, go just type in so Back to the Future so. 11 into your uh, into your internet browser mm-hmm. of your choice, and you will find this. Um, I'd suggest Incognito Window just to keep the uh, bugs off your back. Yeah, but sure, especially you know, in the city. Yeah, in this city. But it's um, it, it was quite interesting, and it actually led me to a much more comprehensive study of Back to the Future, which was uh, about the sort of myth- mythology of the film and the, the sort of battle of the gods aspect of it, okay. which I had really never looked at before, but it, it really was a story of... Uh, the battle uh, against Kronos um, with uh, Poseidon um, and uh, I forget the other name of the, the, the other god that battled Kronos to take back time, which allowed them to break out of the constraints of time and actually move forward in life. Right. And that's an actual story. That's an actual, you know, old, old uh, story. But it... it they actually portrayed it really well all the way down to there's like statues of Poseidon in this fish under the sea dance or whatever mm-hmm. um, and, and they make reference to it all the time and that nine that they refer to in the ni- where, where there's the nine and the two trails that looks like 9-11 it's actually the Pisces symbol which was the symbol for one of the gods that right. they take it down so Zemeckis wow, and these guys they really did look <coughs> into that and there really is an mm-hmm. epic lore going on in that and, and uh, Kronos was taken down by a bolt of lightning um, in the end, and so uh, Zeus, funny. I get yeah. Zeus, yeah. Zeus is the other is, yeah. is the other god, and so Doc Brown is Zeus, um, and Marty is I, Marty's Pluto, um, mm. and uh, then Poseidon was was his uh, Pluto, and Poseidon helped Zeus conquer Kronos. That's uh-huh. the story. I finally got it straight. Okay. Um, so Marty represented Pluto, and originally the story was called uh, something like My Trip to Pluto, or, or, or something. The original script, was, really? Was, yeah, it was called something about. Um, the man, the man from Pluto, or something uh-huh. like that, and that was probably something like um, <coughs> the original Frankenstein novel where they had to retitle it because the author initially wanted to call it Prometheus Bound. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because yeah. it was the breath of the breath of fire. Right, like, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think that there's a lot of that that's missed, especially when when you get into the conversations uh, about like even just the comic movies and stuff. We yeah, we, we we skip a lot of the sort of the lore that's supposed to be going oh, into sure. these things, and we get into like, well, I didn't like the color of its costume, <laughs> and, you know, like oh, the effects were shitty, and it's like, dude, I mean, these guys work more hours than anybody that's criticized that has ever worked in their lives to make uh-huh. that happen. To yeah. be fair, you look at movies like Back to the Future and that era was, a, it's. I mean, you had really shitty big blockbuster movies sure. in that era regardless, but you had filmmakers like Robert Zemeckis who would go out of their way to make a legitimately enjoyable, fun movie. Yes. And again, Spielberg and, camp. I mean, these yeah, were guys he, in that, done that you know. too. Yeah, but nowadays when you look at the cinemas, it's just like, oh, what's out? Marvel movies, well, yeah. I, Michael Bay movies. Yeah. I mean, there's That's, something yeah, has been lost. Say is that yeah, I think that these days, I, I I would struggle to think like, oh god, who are the two 
who, who are those two screenwriters that are doing everything right now with the blood and the... Back oh, the, the guys who are Into Darkness That's and like, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Speaking of going back to your editing job, you think you could mm. make Spider The Amazing Spider-Man 2, could you make that a good movie? You could probably make, <laughs> that, you could make it six good movies. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know list. what? And that Full circle back to our <laughs> Vine conversation and all of that, I think, uh, you know, if you did genuinely come from a, a Vine filmmaking perspective... If I only had to watch six seconds of The Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 2, I'd enjoy the movie much more. I, I haven't seen a Spider-Man movie since the first Spider-Man. I, I kind of caught wind of that over-franchising, and I just never sure. went. But, two um, is great. The Sam Raimi <coughs> 2 is great. But um, I will say that reduction is part of a process. The in-between-the-notes, like in music, you know, it's the pauses that matter almost more than anything. And nowadays, I think they just try to fill in as much action as possible. Right. So you're not, you're not getting... Uh, you know, you're not getting the same type of catharsis, and they're they're missing out on, on how to conduct an audience as an orchestra, and and, and it's like, uh, you know, if you're trying to fill in all those gaps, and you're not allowing for the time between, and you're not allowing, um, you're you're just trying to cram all this information into one instead of re- reducing into one good plot. Right. The Avengers movie. I know you guys are Wheaton fans. I am too. I, I'm not. But I, yeah, well, he, I yeah, liked Wheaton. I liked Wheaton's uh, Much Ado About Nothing much better than I liked The Don't Avengers. Firefly? Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed that. That's fun, right? But, but like, it's but the, but, but, sin. fuck you. But, 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 and what, he did like Starship Troopers and, no, uh, no? <laughs> it was Paul Verhoeven. Oh, okay. Um, he did Buffy and, Buffy, that's Buffy, the other Dollhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but I saw the Avengers and it just was so it had such a lack of focus. You had by the end of it you had like eighteen fucking characters and you're trying to follow even a mild action sequence between them and it's even getting it's even losing its focus. You know, mm-hmm. um, and while the plot may have been I better than some entirely. of those some of those movies, what? but you disagree? I, I disagree. Yeah, I thought the Avengers is it's a movie that's spectacularly well held together simply because it's so simplistic. That the glory in it lies in the execution and how Joss Whedon handled all those characters in that one sequence. It's a very clear-cut situation that's handled just so streamlined. Yeah, now, it was clear-cut to me, too. I thought yeah, it was the, the, clearly trying to make 27 other sequels out of it. Yeah, well, the focus that's, falls apart in Age of Ultron every because that, that was a movie that truly had no focus. Mm. Movies like that, or movies like Amazing Spider-Man 2, where the movie is made by committee. There's no individual right. vision or filmmaker behind it. It's a studio right. wanting to sure. pump out... 20 more sequels to this well this yeah. is a conversation that we had uh, actually it's an unreleased episode as of uh as of recording because the audio got a little bit messed up we were talking about something that marvel does something that marvel did anyway um a lot of especially in the phase one marvel films they were just setting up sequels it was interesting to see because they weren't making movies they were making yeah. previews for other movies right um you saw that in uh, Iron Man Part 2. Iron Man 1, I think, is a fine, fun little movie. I was like, oh, okay, I'm sold on this. Cool. Um, Iron Man 2, as opposed to... That's a movie that has like six movies in it. Right, as opposed to... It's a movie to, that Mickey Rourke hates. Well, Mickey Rourke, the thing about that, and it's also why John Favreau backed out of Iron Man 3 in a directorial capacity. He was mm. he, a character in it, but... Um, he said uh, Marvel came in and they really stamped on everything that he wanted to do. They said right. he had this idea for a story with these characters and he had Mickey Rourke come on who went to Russia for like three months to study his crap. He's like one of those guys. Yeah. Um, but then Marvel came in and they said, no, that's not what we really want to do. We need to add this character, this character, this character, and this character because yeah. they're going to be in the next movies. Yeah. And, then, and they just kind of stamp 
all of the the, the fun, the fun, the out creativity. Of it. Yeah, yeah, the the individual voice that the auteur has. Mm-hmm. That's why you see people like Edgar Wright leaving production. Well, yeah, right? and that's why people are like, "Well, you know, you don't know why Edgar Wright left." I'm like, "Okay, talking about Ant Man, think about yeah. it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw Ant Man, and you know, I'm not. I I don't normally <coughs> rent uh, or or go to see the, the, any Marvel movie really, but I sure. thought Ant Man seemed a little. Uh, I don't know. had 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 a certain entertainment quality. I thought I might enjoy. It looked and different. It looked interesting. And you know what? I really did appreciate about it was the action sequences that were done to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was fascinating because the, the, they would yes. cut back to the wide shot and where, it'd be where, comical. Yeah, during yeah. during any normal formula, that wide shot, the train would have crashed through something, and then boom, blah, blah, and smoke and loud noises. But instead, it cut back to a very quiet child's mm-hmm. bedroom with a toy yeah. train that just fell. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was a spectacular, almost on the nose way to even discuss its own genre. Yeah, you know, and and then just like falling down in a suitcase, the two characters, and one Playing of them the hits cure. an iPod, yeah. and the Cure shows, you know, comes on, and <laughs> you know, so that that was fun, and I kind of appreciated that in its own, um, like you know, making fun of itself, yeah. kind of way. Um, as a plot, it was you know the same standard, standard yeah. right? It, it, it was the same kind of a thing. The, it was Iron Man. It was Iron. It was the plot of Iron Man One. Yeah. Um, this was. It was basically Iron Man the reboot, just with a different title. Yeah. It, it very it was, much was. A it soft was the Sam Raimi Evil Dead Two to Sam Raimi Evil Dead. But it's like everything that I liked about Ant Man does seem to carry like this Edgar Wright flavor to it. Mm. Yep. Um, and if you go back and you watch, like he did a Comic Con presentation. Uh, years ago now yeah. where uh, he was showing test footage for the that, that thing. scene was in the movie yeah the scene that you're discussing yeah. And yeah, it, it wasn't that scene it was a scene where he's running down the oh, right, right. people shooting at him yeah. Gun, yeah. but oh, anyway yeah. like he yeah he, he did he was it, it seems like his plans for the movie were to play with that kind of scale that were to do interesting play things with the character yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Marvel was like no I, I look. I don't know how much they changed. I don't know what they told him to get him to leave. But it's not it's the like, first time it's happened. And then we're gonna have Scott Pilgrim show up in the movie, yeah. and there's gonna be a big one-up sign. But it's right. like Scott. Well, Scott Pilgrim is a movie that I like a lot. I love I Scott it was Pilgrim. A really fun, really innovative little comic book adaptation. Now, is that connected to anything else though? I mean, I don't know. Scott. No, Pilgrim, it's based on a. It's a, based a on, comic a, book. Uh, on, yeah. a, on a like a really novel. really short indie was, comic. I actually gotcha. have this sign by the author here. Yeah, and I, I'd seen people reading that the years up to that film, and then I saw the film, and I thought, yeah, that was a unique way to make a, a, a piece of cinema. You know, that was mm-hmm. that was that was good. It was a young demographic, but so were sure. we, right? Yeah. Um, I and I and I, you know, but it's weird because you can't look. There's 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 a, there's demographics out there that are I don't understand. The slasher flick still, from a business standpoint, mm. is the biggest demographic you can make, and it's, it's got paranormal the best, activity movies. Well, it's got the best sweet spot too because you can make them really low cost, and mm-hmm. you can make the most money. It's got the yeah. Blair Witch syndrome. You know, um, and 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 not fuck even talking about movie. like like not well, even that movie, but fuck what that movie <coughs> created. The found footage shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's another thing. But again, uh, I'm going to be the sympathizer here and say that uh, found footage film. And I saw Blair Witch in the theaters, and I was amazed by it. When you when we went to see it in theaters, I must have been 16, 17 years old, and I saw that in theaters, and it was. Uh, it was groundbreaking, and we were scared, mm-hmm. you know. And then parodies started popping up. I think I even made a parody at the time yeah. of it, and it was just something to do. And 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 then that became oh, again, a thing. Such a huge the, cultural the phenomenon. Found, that yeah, movie. but again, that's a new. You're, you're playing with a new a new way to make a movie, a new oh, yeah. way to cut a story together, and it, that's what's important. It was a very innovative well, approach to to sure. filmmaking, and I think that there have been found footage movies that came out that were decent. Uh, well, did you see the one about the moon? 
No, no, I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, the Apollo 18. 18. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I did not see it. I heard it was interesting because it wasn't it was, really a monster movie. It was one of the better ones uh, yeah. done that way, but see, it, it had a little bit of a plot hole because how'd they get the footage? Yeah, if see, they were lost in space, they all kind of do. It's like why are they? <laughs> like uh, I, I, I like the movie um, Chronicle. But it goes really, really far out of its way to justify its technique. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, he doesn't even need to do that. The I'm fa- like, yeah. I, I get it. The fallacies of just... found footage movies is that if you take away this gimmick, they normally just can't stand on their own. Right. A lot of people really like Cloverfield. I really don't. Yeah. And the issue is because if you remove the single gimmick of, oh, it's found footage, then you just get a shit plot with shit right. acting non-existent characters it's poorly paced like it's just it's a standard bad movie but, that, yeah, but, but it's now found footage you could say, you could say that thing. you like, could say that about a Woody Allen film I mean, right. you, you, you can say, say that about you, Boyhood if, well, I you, do say that about Boyhood if you took well sure I mean if you took the gimmick out of it if you if you took um, if you took Woody Allen out of the equation of any one of those scripts and you gave the actors all their lines way ahead of time and you allowed them to study them mm-hmm. you wouldn't have anywhere near the the form that has taken place, and he's done it consistently for 50 years, regardless of what you think of any one of his films. I mean, he's right. done shit, he's done good, he's done whatever, he's done, he did Annie Hall, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. But he's also, he, he has a way, he has a very specific method. Yeah. And again, that's that's what I'm, any of these conversations, that's what I will always look at, mm-hmm. is what was their method, you know, why were they doing it, what was their approach, and I think you lose any of that when you're talking about these big Marvel movies that get lost, like you said, made by committee in so yeah. many cases. Um, that, yeah, you know, you're, you're going by what a sales agent says. Yeah. And that's really not, you know. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I sold gym memberships for a while. Right. Okay. And I was not in very good shape. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't in terrible shape. I wasn't fat or anything. I just was like, you know, I wasn't a gym guy. I got a job because mm-hmm. I was able to, like, sell things. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there telling people who are already in better shape than I am, telling mm-hmm. them that they need this gym. It was Equinox gyms, I can say that. Um, and, they're and big. They're, they're, they're very. Really big. It's the most expensive gym you can go to, I think. Nah. Um, and so I had to convince them that why would you pay two hundred dollars more than like New York City Sports Club to go here? And I, this is coming from a guy who doesn't even work out. And so it, it's the same way a sales agent is telling you to go see this movie, and the way you see a trailer. I think even uh, John Favreau, when he used to do that show. Um, where you'd have five people at a dinner table. I don't know if you guys ever saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You'd have five industry five. guests at a dinner table. Right, dinner for five. And uh, he would talk about on that show, he's like, you know, it's all about trailer moments. When you push right. a script in Hollywood or when you push a, a, a movie concept, it's all about five trailer moments. Oh, you that's how find, Man of Steel was made. Yeah. you got to find trailer five trailer moments. moments yeah. And if you can find that, you'll sell it. The rest is up to you. You know, yeah. Snyder yeah. watched that you episode know. and he said, I can do I that. Can do I can more. do this. <laughs> yes. I'll make a whole movie of trailer moments. Fuck you, Favreau. And look at where we are. There's look, not even going to be a movie in it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, look at uh, leaks. There is no such thing as a leak. Yeah. Okay? When you see this on the internet and, and it's like leaked pictures of a costume or whatever, yeah, somebody took a picture with their cell phone instead no. of a professional photograph because they're trying to fool you yeah. into thinking and it that works. It, And there's a prestige to it. It's the same thing, like I said, about, you know, buy it now. There's only one. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's like, no one else should have seen this, but yeah. you're going to get to. Oh, look at that. We just popularized our movie by umpteen thousand today yeah, well, you know i mean we we've talked like i'm i'm not sure if you follow you probably don't mm-hmm. uh whenever like comic-con happens and there's like comic-con exclusive footage and you're it's not sure always... if i follow your show is that what you're asking no no or like comic-con. comic-con yeah oh yeah where are you guys anyway yeah <laughs> we have this thing yeah um 
But uh, but no, at a Comic Con they usually review some, like some exclusive footage to all the people that are there at Comic Con, and sometimes. Right all the time it'll be leaked out by michael j fox holding a handheld camera right uh yeah. and then that goes online then the studio will eventually be like oh fuck it we'll just put the high quality one up yeah. um well suicide squad famously squad. did this uh recently which i think that it's exactly what you're saying yeah suicide yeah. squad was interesting because they were filming up in toronto and I, I guess they just had like the worst set security like on the planet because people were. Oh no, well, that's not even what I meant. I meant a, a, a Comic Con. Yeah, trailer. I remember seeing a shaky video of the screen, mm. and then it was like, oh, the trailer got leaked. No, the trailer was released. Yeah, yeah. But and I mean, Warner like, Brothers went. They and they kind of like they 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 berated they berated the internet. They were like, oh, we yeah. didn't want no, to have was, to do it, this. It was yeah, it was David yeah. Ayer. It was David Ayer's yeah. like. Um, no, Warner Brothers released a statement. David Ayer seems like a douche. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's movies? fine, huh? Have you seen his? I mean, his his Instagram yeah, is funny because his Instagram's like, "Hey guys, guess what? I get to play with a flamethrower today," mm-hmm. and that's funny. Um, I, but no, with 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 I like David Ayer written films. I don't know what else did he direct. All I know is End of Watch, and that was the only one of his movies Training I liked. Day was good, but he didn't direct that. No, that he wrote was it. you you something. Yeah, no, Fu- I'm saying Fu- he wrote Fu- it. He wrote it. Don't you guys have like a magic box that tells you these things when you I type wish. it? Wish. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Tell most of the people listening, can't they just look this up? Yeah. They probably they are already talking know. to them actually. Exactly. <laughs> well, they make their talking, own assumptions. We're talking at them. Um, no, true. but with uh, with Suicide Squad, there are pictures of people like, oh, look, I'm taking a selfie with Joker's car. Right. And it's just like, yeah, with Suicide did Squad, no one like, stop these people from walking on? Well, set? it just seems like, dangerous. Like they, yeah, probably, but like. Not even just leaking the shit. I'm like, looks like somebody's going to get run over by this fast-moving car with Ben Affleck on the back of it. Yeah, especially right. when, like, someone asked, someone asked, I think it was one of the ADs on set, like, oh, what kind of car is that? And they told them what kind of car. He's like, oh, it's this kind of car, but it's this kind of body on it, and we put right. this kind of engine. Yeah. Had a, they, and, and there was this whole thing, like, well, how'd they find that out? Like, oh, oh, all I just, of the, yeah. I just asked the AD. He was walking yeah. around, and I was like. All of that information, they, they they had no problem. Really yeah, uh, I, I really, I would, I would, I would go as far as to say that it's as calculated as politics is nowadays. And they probably took a page from each other's books, you know. Yeah. Um, I, but then I, again, I just, you have that's... you have movies like Ten Cloverfield Lane coming out. No one had any idea that this movie was a thing, and then they're like, right. "Oh, guess what? It's coming out next month, guys." Right. But at the same time, it's like, would people have cared? I don't know. It's it's one of those things like Fast and the Furious. Like apparently, there's a lot of people that give a shit about that franchise. I know it's like that, that's like this generation Star Wars. Apparently, it's, it's so fucking huge, and I have no idea. Like I've never seen one. I saw the first one, and then I saw like whatever the one where the, Paul Walker died. Seven. The most recent one. Seven. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait. I thought he died in Santa Clarita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had no idea that the, these films had a following. I thought that they were like... Uh, like the schlock that just studios pump out in a February month, and they're like, oh, here's a sure, movie to fill the time. Sure, people love these fucking yeah. movies. And they actually just announced yesterday um, Fast and Furious 8, 9, and 10. Well, of course they did, because they're yeah. tremendously profitable films. Yeah, well, uh, you know, so is McDonald's. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's... It's, it's not it's, a very popular film. Well, and like, it would be here's if they market it the same are, way they market everything else. Are they Super actually making a movie about very it? Well. About McDonald's? Yeah, it's about the founder of McDonald's. I think it's Michael oh, about Keaton. About Ray, Ronald? Ray Kroc? Yeah, Ray Kroc. Yeah, I think yeah. Michael Keaton's playing him. All right. Okay. Yeah, why not? I mean, sure. You know, <laughs> why not? And, <clears throat> Antoine Fuqua was the director of Training Day. That just hit me. There you go. Antoine what? Fuqua. Oh. 
Um, he's like one of those people that like the the director of Boys in the Hood. Like they did that one movie and just nothing else. Sure. Or just mm-hmm. the shit, which is probably worse than doing nothing else. Mm-hmm. But um. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Suicide Squad, Marvel, DC. It's all the same. It's all just all the same so, shit now. So, so, so what? What? what, what movies are? Where do you, Alex, where do you guys come into this? I mean, where? What's like? What do you? What do you do here in the in the city, Tyler? I mean, I, I, I know the answer. This is rhetoric for for for. I mean, what I act do you sort do? of. I, I podcast. I you podcast. You're an actor. Yeah, kinda. I mean, like uh, an unemployed uh, one uh, at the something. moment. Yeah, you know, act something. Do, uh, do, you know, it was do, do the something. best of times. It was the worst of times. Oh, did you, did you hear that there was news recently? Uh, Channing Tatum, I guess, actually going back to Fast and Furious, interviewed, or he, he auditioned for the first Fast and the Furious movie. No, he auditioned for the third Fast and the Furious movie, and he said it went so horribly that at one point he just stopped. And then the casting director was like, yeah, I, I think that's probably best for all of us. There's actually, speaking of Training Day, um, there was a, there this story that I guess is kind of famous amongst uh, acting for film students that uh who was who who are the two leads in training day what do i know nothing about this movie denzel, denzel washington, washington and uh, uh other guy well, who's the white guy yeah 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 uh, uh ethan hawk <laughs> ethan hawk there you go somebody else was the studio wanted somebody else for the ethan hawk role and apparently they just came in and bombed the audition they were just awful and this footage exists somewhere um, and then Denzel just said, no, I don't want you. But like midway through the audition, he just, he stopped and he's like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just such a big fan. I'm really nervous <laughs> at Denzel. But the thing with Ethan Hawke, he came in, had no preparation. He yeah. didn't know anything about the script, but he did it like an actor would do it. Sure. He just went moment to moment. He played yeah. off of Denzel. He didn't go yeah. in with this kind of notion in the same preconceived like, notion yeah, yeah I, sure sure I want this I, well, I, this I think first reaction is important as an actor I mean you're an actor right we've yeah. acted together yes actually um, and, and I, I think I think first reaction is very important for actors I could go back to Woody Allen you know that's not your audience but mm-hmm. go back to Woody Allen that's why he doesn't give his actors scripts until the day of yeah um, because he believes in that first reaction kind of thing and, and I do the same thing when I look at a script um, I mean you know in, in terms of, of first reaction because you start to plot it too much and you yeah. start to like you know let it brew George Lucas is another person that didn't give his actors a script until the day they started shooting but that's for an entirely well, he also reason. didn't give his actors any direction or have a script beforehand yeah just, just got real somber in here. Yeah. I just want to communicate the tone of the room right now to the listeners. Yeah. It just got real sad in here. Like, we all just, like, sort of just recognize that Lucas is a hack. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right in front of you. Oh, that's, this has been a long-time-standing realization. Uh, but are, are you familiar with a lot of the things this, this man has done? Are you familiar with George Lucas? Fascinating. I've heard of the guy. Did he do... Um, he, he did American he, Graffiti. Uh, okay. And he okay. also did Howard the Duck. There's a movie where a duck Did he? fucks people. I know he produced that. Did he direct that? I want to say it. I think he was a producer, executive producer. No, yeah, yeah. Cause, like, no, he doesn't direct anything. He's EP'd a he lot did, of movies. He did Red Tails. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> he did do that. Yeah. Uh, no, look, Lucas, I think what he did, and, and, and this is a lot of my style and what I've made has come from, not directly, but from uh, a Lucas-esque um, style because you just like to sit at the monitor. Yeah. No, no, no. He and, 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 and then come and, over and, and tell your actors and, and how I'm, to do I'm it. I'm talking about I'm talking about 1970s Lucas. This was he he would use real uh, puppetry 
and in-camera effects and optical effects. Well, he didn't create, have a choice in that. To that create a, a to create a uh, well, he didn't have a choice because they didn't have anything else to do, and so he created a movie that to this day I'm looking at posters in this room mm-hmm. has a fanship and many sequels. Uh, out of You're very little money, relatively the speaking. Very famous film, uh, Agent Carter. No, I'm talking ABC. about Star Wars: A New Hope. It's, was it. was done was done on on a relatively low scale mm-hmm. and you was say done that, but at the creatively. Time it was kind of a large budget. It was what eleven million dollars at the time in the seventies. I don't know these things. That's not a minuscule amount. Did of they money. still have money? I, think it was I thought it was like a barter system. system. It was a barter yeah, system. it was coffee beans and seashells <laughs> yeah. at the time. The whole thing about George Lucas is even back in the time, if you listen to interviews like with the cast and crew talking about him, uh, he was just a dick. Sure. Like, the, like Mark Hamill would come up to him and like, hey, George, I have this idea. He's like, no. It's like, but yeah. I, I had this kind of thing about the character. He's like, no, just do it like I told you. Yeah. And then Harrison Ford would pull Mark Hamill off to the side and be like, hey, kid, listen. Yeah, just do it. He's not going to notice. Harrison Ford was the was the was the rookie though. I mean, he, he, he was, was the Wookiee. The rookie, not the Wookiee. Uh, I was going to say, no, he wasn't. The only legitimate. Well, I mean, there were a couple like big actors in that movie at the time, but like um, Peter Cushing was in the movie. Yeah, and uh, and what's his name? Lars Sir o- Alec Lar- Guinness. Oh. Yeah, Alec Guinness, yeah. Uh, and then and Lando Calrissian was, was, he was big in the at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they'd say like the only time they tried acting was when they were in the presence of Alec Guinness, and Alex Guinness knew none of their names. Right. <laughs> I think right. there was there was a there was a letter written from Alec Guinness to one of his agents. And oh, was, you, 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 there's a lot of wonderful letters. Oh yeah, written. and he was talking about Harrison Ford, and he didn't know what his name was. It's like I think his name's. Bill, right? It was Bill or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um. No, but that goes back to your point from uh, forever ago. George Lucas is kind of the perfect example of why filmmaking needs to be a collaborative art. Yeah, sure. Um, Because the immediately, like this whole thing with the prequels and why they were so awful—not from like a Star Wars fan perspective, but just from an objective viewpoint. um, His whole thing was like, listen. This is what I earned. I earned the right to do these on my own. But there, and, and he did in a vacuum. And they, there's something to be said for the outdoor theory of filmmaking, but at the same time, it's like... Citizen Kane. Yeah. Citizen Kane. Movie that failed financially at the box office because of bad press. Well, I, well Orson Welles is fine. I like his later work. I really liked him in that P commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I will blow you. Yeah. Oh, what luck. I believe that was originally supposed to be. A, that was originally supposed to be a sequel to Touch of Evil. Yeah. <laughs> but, can, uh, can you imagine being on your deathbed? Like, because when Citizen Cam came out, yeah, no one watched that movie. Like, yeah. it got a lot of bad publicity because, um, uh, not Charles Hurst. Hurst, yeah, was very adamant. Like, he hated it. Sure. And so the movie died and quietly passed by. Yeah. Can you imagine being on your fucking deathbed and someone comes and is like, "Hey, so by the way, Citizen Kane." Just gonna know it is probably the greatest cinematic work of art the world's ever seen, and he's just on like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, he should have just said, "Rosebud." Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you guys, uh, you know, heard the theory that uh, Rosebud is actually um, a, a, par- a parable for his um, infatuation with anal sex? Really? No. Yeah, um, I'm gonna make that theory. Though. But but you try calling one a rosebud and, and not having someone giggle, right? You know, it exactly. works. Um, yeah, uh, God, yeah. I mean, auteur theory. I wonder what he did with that snow globe in his rectum. Yeah, exactly. Auteur theory, I think, has its merits. 
you know, when you get the Hitchcocks and you get the the, the uh, Orson Welles, um, but you know, it is definitely a collaborative art. It's it's I've heard it described as the entertainment army. I mean, because there's a general, and then there's you know your troops in in, sure. in categories below that in rank, and uh, and and there is I think the the more collaborative, the, the more people trust you, and the more people trust each other. Some of the crews that I've worked with have been the greatest human beings on the planet simply because I've watched them collaborate on things that I can't even get three roommates to uh-huh. do, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, right. and you'd think that at a normal household level, you could just do the dishes or whatever and not, not worry about it. But these are people who are like under much more strenuous conditions yeah. who are just, and some of them met that day and they're all able to work really hard and work really well together to construct something. And once you're not constructive, uh, you know, films go down the tubes. And I see this all the time on, on indie flicks mm-hmm. um, and low-budget flicks and things like that that is really what we should be looking at nowadays. Right, I, I, right, I do right. think, if, if I can spit my, my film theory out at you guys a little bit, I do think that there is a burgeoning middle class of filmmaking. I think Netflix is helping that. I think that there's these... Um, you know, middle of the road budgets that are are able to make good stories and and tell good stories and show uh, show off good visuals and talented acting through lower budgets and still make a profit. And so, mm-hmm. even the businessmen, which we all need, we need patrons of the arts. We right. have to have them. Um, these businessmen are actually helping to form. You know, they're seeing they're seeing the the profitability in that. Yeah. It's the only reason I have a job to this day is because <clears throat> there's somebody out there that says, you know what, it is possible for a kid with a dream to make a five hundred thousand dollar film. Right. Um, and that's kind of the category I've put myself into. Is mm-hmm. like, is I make these sub one million dollar films and. You know, some of them are good, some of them are terrible, but some of them sell, and they're not always the ones that you would think are good. Mm-hmm. So you got to watch the business side of it, but I do think that there's there's that burgeoning middle class, and I think out of all the inequality that's going on financially in the world, the filmmaking business is actually uh, kind of kind of meeting in the middle there. You know, right, well, right. kind of offering in, that. We live in this intral. We we live in this we live in this interesting paradigm where filmmaking is becoming the one medium that's just very accessible, especially with modern technology. I mean, if you look at people off of YouTube, if well, you look it at used people... to be uh, filmmaking. You could not do it right. um, as uh, as an independent. I right. mean, you would have to have a, a lot, now, of, lot of. But now you look at things like Tangerine, and it's filmed on a fucking iPhone. Sure. And sure. it's spectacular. Yeah. I mean, just things like that. Like, it's become a medium that's very accessible, I mean, to yeah. everyone. And you get a lot of people that are a lot of creative people with a passion and drive. Well, I, I had a good friend of mine describe it as uh, pottery. Um, mm-hmm. Pottery used to be an art form, and now it's something that everyone holds things in in their homes. Right. And, and so when, when something... It, something becomes more easily produced. Thousands of years ago, you had to be a skilled craftsman to make a pot. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you just get one. You know, okay. like you can just just get it. It's yeah. it's available. So every art form does go through that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And now I think filmmaking has become pottery. So it's kind of like, oh, we got you know a new Marvel movie comes out or whatever it is, good mm-hmm. or bad. Anyone that wants pottery is going to get this this pottery. Yeah. Um, and and so I you know it, it has become a more of a standardized thing. So the, the expectations are lower too. I mean, who cares if it's bad? It's fun. You guys like the comic books? You go see the movie. It's it's mm-hmm. you're not going to walk out too disappointed. And even if you are. You're gonna, you, you, somebody will be able to make a podcast out of complaining about it. Right. 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 I can only imagine that yeah. exists. Mm-hmm. What assholes? I know. Who they, would they do sound that? like horrible people. And then invite me on there to perpetuate. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we, we brought you on to talk about potteries. Yeah. That's yeah, right. That's oh, thing. I thought you brought me on to talk about pot. <laughs> oh. Oh, Listen, I got, I got this text message like, hey, this kid Alex, we're gonna have him. Like, all right. Yeah. 
No, that that's how actually how I've gotten every gig I've ever gotten. <laughs> oh, this, this guy. person Alex is coming well, to your room. He's coming well, what happened room. was the studio wanted one guy first. It's just he just bombed the audition. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. I was doing carpentry outside actually, <laughs> and uh, you guys brought me in and said you've got the look, <laughs> and here I am. You've, you've got, got a face for radio. You got a real face for radio. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I I, I think uh, I really I like what you guys are doing here. Um, this is this is a good conversation, you know. I think the more of this needs to happen, I think it is probably. Is there a whole podcast genre out there now? There's like a whole thing people are doing. Yeah, we I, there is like a, yeah. we did invent podcasting. Yeah. Um, you did, yeah, great, yes, good. We we put that out there into did, the world. Uh, had, there are hacks like Joe Rogan and yeah, uh, right. Kevin Smith that they're really just <laughs> riding our coattails. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, it's like. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you're in the sort of uh, that, that underappreciated, like, Al Gore category. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you, he invented the internet. Right. And then that. everybody else used it, and right. you forget where it came from. Series of tubes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a truck that you could just throw things on. It's right. A right. It's a series of tubes. Every now and again, you need to hire a crew of, of Guatemalans to clean the tubes out. I think that's the rest of that rant. That guy died in a plane crash. The uh, oh. senator that said that from Alaska, oh, the series, the series of tubes. guy, he died in a fucking plane crash because that's what happens when you live in Alaska. Right. Um, you could only get place to place in small in a series of tubes, like right. a metal <laughs> tube in the, yeah. in the yeah. sky, and did... you fucking crash because Jesus Christ, Alaska, like those things at a bank. You stick them in and they, shroomp, and they, yeah, they suck right. up. The things from Futurama. Yeah. yeah. Why do we not have those yet? I know. Well, that, that's I moved to New because York because we have the internet. Right. That's I, a fair I think point. is the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so what was the last movie you guys saw? I'm interviewing you now, by the way. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and just turn this around. Like in theaters. The last thing we saw was Laser Team, wasn't it? I, that would have been it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of. Um, Movies, you know, made by the little guy that are uh, not major studio films. Rooster Teeth, which is a uh, online production company. They started with a web series actually called Red vs. Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, to call them the little guy at this point is kind of absurd. But I guess if you're comparing them to Marvel, they make millions, millions in these YouTubes. How do you monetize the internet, Alex Haney? You know, uh, there's all kinds of weird creative ways. But I think the idea is... It, uh, with the internet, we're going to enter into this more of a post-consumer, post-capitalist like world. We're going to have, um, you know, things where it's more about sharing, uh, like Uber. You know, it's like a ride share. I've been an Uber driver. You, you you use your own car, your own resources. You just have the label of Uber as almost a security measure, so people, strangers, will get in your car. You're not worried right, about it in right. both right. directions. That's always You're been not the a hardest. Gypsy driver. Yeah, that's always yeah. been the hardest thing for me to get strangers into my car. Was like they didn't know me. You know? Yeah, so you just oh, stole yeah. an Uber car. Right. Oh no! I was just stealing strangers. Well, you just oh. yeah, but that's the thing is Uber is just your car. I mean, it's just I just I had a Toyota yeah. Camry XLE, and I just go and you take it to a little parking lot, and the Uber guys yep. kick the tires a little bit, and they say you're good, <coughs> and then you go out and it's your business, your franchise. So they have trouble taxing that. They have trouble, you know, whatever. But it's a forty billion I mean, dollar company. Yeah, if you're in France, you have trouble not getting Molotov cocktails thrown at your car. I right. saw yeah, well that's crazy. I saw a Tesla <laughs> driving around Manhattan the other day that had the Uber thing. Sure. In it. Well, it's probably so great. Crazy. No, they get a higher rate though. You, mm-hmm. if you have a nice car, you get a higher rate because people want to be taken to places in class and stuff. Right. It's big in LA. It's huge in LA. Like yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was where this Lyft and Uber movement like just went crazy. And there's all kinds of problems. DUIs are down by forty percent in Los Angeles because really? of Uber. Yeah, and so the county is fighting that because forty percent loss of profit oh, on DUIs. 
And they said, <laughs> they said, can you imagine? They set up checkpoints. You know. Walking into a building, being like, God damn it, what's wrong? DUIs are down 40%. What are we gonna do? That's a people are not yeah. done. We gotta kill this Uber man. thing. You know, this thing that's getting people off the road drunk? We need to stop that. Yeah. yeah. We need no, it was. And parking tickets and all that shit was going down in revenue for the county. So there's these sniveling Mr. Burns type characters at yeah. the top of that rank that are going, hey, uh, we're not making the $10,000 per person on DUIs anymore. We need to get more drunks on the road. Oh, it's fucked up, man. And let this, let, this, let this podcast be the platform for change. Yes. All right? Yeah, not just two <laughs> bickering nerds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but, you know, I mean, I don't know. Have you guys been out to L.A.? Have you been out, been out I've, to yeah, L.A.? I've been, been out there twice, I think, years ago. Yeah. So practically, no. It's an interesting town, and, and since you guys are as into films as you are, I mean, it really does give you a, a taste of how those things are made. I mean, you go to the grocery store and everybody, and I'm not talking about like it is here, you run into actors, you run into producers, whatever. Mm. Everybody right. is in that business. That's always what's interesting. They're a grip or whatever. Everyone has a second job. Well, yeah, you know? at, your fucking dentist has six unsold screenplays. Yep. Everybody out there and is... And a headshot. And, yeah. Even if they don't admit it, they're all, you know, they all want to be in the entertainment mm-hmm. industry in some capacity. Yeah, and it's oversaturated as fuck. Right, and it's uh, one of the reasons I left. Really, was because I, I here I can I can accomplish the same things creatively without mm. the stigmas that L.A. gives it. You know, the like, well, do you have, you know, is Rob Schneider in your film? Because that's the only way you'll get it made. <laughs> Believe it or not, that that was a thing for like a week. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. well, maybe not, but wow, but, you know, <laughs> but no, but seriously, if you did get Rob Schneider, there is someone out there. Every actor out there has a, a stamp on their head. Like, remember the Beckett when you look up like baseball card prices? Yeah, yeah. Unofficially, that's out there with actors. Yeah, there's and, there's actually websites that do that. Yeah, and and so any sales agent is looking at those actors and going, this guy's worth this much, this much, or this much, right. based on the demographic or based on what it is and 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 whatever. So if you get, you know, somebody like uh, who's who's new and hot right now, I mean, try Courtney. Uh, he's that, not good, uh, but Hollywood's trying to make him happen. Cara Delevingne, Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum. Tatum. Let's throw that out there, right? Channing Tatum's popping up in all these movies in all over the place because even in Tarantino's film, and and I don't know if he did this on purpose or not, but Channing Tatum helps sell tickets. He's cornered yeah. the demographic, you know. And he so, did have like that surprise cameo at the end where I saw his name on the thing, and I'm like, yeah. wait, he's yeah, in this? didn't see it. Yeah. Wasn't even really a cameo. I mean, he was a, he was a character in the, in yeah. the whole third act. I it, mean, but, but it was such a such a such a surprise it's like you th- the 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 traditional kind of is, is, uh, is knowledge his... the conventional wisdom would be you get tatum you put him throughout the whole movie he's not like a third act reveal kind well, of a guy you'd think right. that too with godzilla where you get someone good like brian cranston but now nah, you kill him after 10 minutes no he's a um, one act kill him and then get is, aaron is taylor Channing johnson Tatum's... man so interesting <laughs> <laughs> is channing tatum's cameo in hateful eight better than his cameo in this is the end no no, Hateful is a much better that? movie, but his cameo in this in the end was pretty great. <laughs> Which one was this in the end? That's the one that's bar... like Apocalypse. Thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, was... That's the... Uh... It wasn't the Edgar Wright one. It was the one with Seth Rogen. James Franco. Right, right. Franco, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those two came out at the exact same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Edgar Wright has a tendency to do that. It happened as well with Zack Snyder's 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead. I believe that was also oh, around the Shaun same time the Shaun of the Dead came out. Interesting. Well, that's actually a pretty... I mean, if you're if you're playing it that way, but he, I mean, <coughs> they were both 
kind of uh, comedy. I mean, they were both silly, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Well, the no. Edgar Wright, what? And Dawn Bond, of the or? Dead was not funny. Not, no, 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 no. Oh, no, we're talking, talking about, about, about this is the, the end. end. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So that, that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense business wise because you're not it's not like the farce of the other one you're just straight up competing yeah two comedies with a similar title and similar premise mm-hmm. at least apocalyptic in premise anyway mm-hmm. I mean I know yeah. they didn't have like a, an anal raping devil in theirs <laughs> I um, know that was at, my only complaint yeah about Edgar yeah. movie I've actually worked with guys who that's their complaint on most sets. Um, is there going to be an anal raping demon in this? Oh, not, not in this one, man. I'm sorry. Uh, I have, you know, this other set one up in the brain. green room for you. But <laughs> there is not an anal raping demon in Kung Fu Panda Two. I'm sorry. I uh, see. That's why I haven't watched it. Yeah. And uh, that, that brings me to this one point. Yeah. Uh, what was your 9/11 yeah, story? Right, okay. So, let's go there. Uh, you weren't even born you... then. What are you? Did you? So did you hear about the? How old were you it's in a... 9/11? It was 2001. Six. Six years old. Six years old. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember it? I remember coming home and my mom was home from work. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Where were you? Here? I was coming home from school. No, I mean like... Uh, oh, Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, no, but uh, BBC is actually producing a television movie uh, starring... Well, one... Not starring, but one of the characters is Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. yeah. Did you hear who's playing Michael Jackson? A white like guy. That. But like Ray Fiennes' brother. Younger brother, right? yeah. Ray Fiennes' younger brother. Yeah, and you know what's such it's a travesty fun. about that and you know why, why they were so pissed? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it's. Did you hear the plot of this movie? Uh, no, no. Okay, just so, the controversy. Okay, so it's it's this it's this urban legend um, about Michael Jackson, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor, and Marlon Brando. Right. Uh, taking a road trip out of New York City. That makes sense. On the day of 9/11, and it's a comedy movie. The sun's tasteful all around. Yeah, and historically uh, accurate. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, some people are against historical revisionism. <laughs> I say if you can get uh, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Marlon Brando, and Michael Jackson of any color into a car right. and, 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 and put uh, the most impactful uh, uh, tragedy to hit, this, to hit the world in, in recent generations mm-hmm. um, into one film, uh, I think you have the obligation to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, listen, they, they tra- <laughs> there's been a couple... <laughs> There's been a couple movies that's tried to like pull like the 9/11 punch and uh, the last the surprise one surprise 9/11 the surprise 9/11 yeah what was that one with the uh, Twilight guy oh that one I can't remember Which that one Twilight was dog guy? shit though um, the the, the British one. guy what God what is his name the pale one Edward no Edward is his name in the movie something Pattinson Robert Robert Pattinson, Pattinson. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that was the one um, I also remember extremely loud and incredibly close yeah that, that, movie also that one at least sucked. was. That was supposed to be about its yeah. 9/11ism. Yeah. <laughs> the other one <laughs> the was just a regular old building. rom-com type thing, and then last Surprise. five seconds of the movie, surprise! Yeah. Fucking 9/11. You can't do that. Oh, Man of Steel. That was the other surprise 9/11 movie. Wow. Wow. That was like 911 9/11s. Well, listen. I mean, if you can exploit uh, tragedy um, to sell tickets, uh, it will be done. Yeah. You know? Right. It will be done. I think that's that's part of what you know. When I was talking about earlier, perhaps on the previous episode, um, I was talking about the uh, burgeoning middle class of filmmaking, and I think that's part of the responsibility of those lower budget filmmakers is to avoid the exploitation because you don't need it. Uh-huh. You know, you're not going for the sensationalism that you're going for in these high budget films. And you got to remember, they know, you know, when you, when they make Iron Man, they know that that that's their revenue for the year. Right. That's it. So they can make a Meryl Streep movie and and whatever, whatever, 
uh, some teenager flicks or whatever, they can make all those and take a loss, and they do on almost every one. I mean, uh, Google just, um, well, <coughs> well, technically... It's time what, to switch to the light crack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what, what's it called? Alphabet? The proprietary oh, yeah, company yeah, yeah, of Google? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just surpassed Apple right. as being the most profitable company in the world, and that's with taking a, what, $3.67 billion loss because they're car like their self-driving car project failed no. yeah there's yeah. this entire level of fun well, those guys can afford to understand. fail they yeah. can afford to exactly fail. too big to too fail. big to fail yeah like the titanic yeah oh, that was too big to fail yeah yeah the movie or the the boat <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> yeah. my sister actually my sister was someone that she was god she must have been like what 16 or 17 when that movie came out oh, yeah. did not know the boat sank at the end interesting yeah did someone spoil it for her? My father did. Oh. Is your sister sort of special in a way? Is she? I mean, that depends. I'm her brother, so I'm a little biased, so mm-hmm. I'd lean towards the yes, but I mean. <laughs> Is she listening right now? <laughs> no, fuck no. No, oh, no one's no. listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So what, what am I doing here? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been in a dorm room, I'll tell you that. This is probably not the, the uh, how you saw yourself coming back to a dorm room, if ever you were going to do it. Well, no. I, the only way I saw myself coming back to a dorm room involved a lot of alcohol in a sorority, like like Fleet Week sort of situation. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sorry to disappoint you. No, no, no. This is this is much better. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, you don't have to lie. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. no, no alcohol in a young Asian boy just is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh you know, I mean, there, there are. It has its merits. Um, this microphone is definitely enticing uh, in terms of we're we're going blue here. This is um, what you call going blue when you, when you start just talking about microphones shaped like dicks. Right. right. Yeah. Speaking of um, speaking of microphones or speaking of dicks. Yeah. So like, no, I'm I'm king of the segue. Uh, the, uh, the, the is there room here for my Tarantino? Of thing? course. Of course. Like, of course. Well. All right, so I was telling telling you guys earlier. I don't know why I have to preface that like that <laughs> matters. Like I was telling them earlier. Um, but, they don't know that. No, we're right. hearing this for the first yeah. time. They don't even know. Just yeah. like Woody Allen. No, pretend. Yeah. All right. So I went to the movies in uh, Los Angeles. I was on a date with this uh, beautiful girl named Jenna. Oh, if she's listening. <laughs> uh, and we, we we went to see. Wes Anderson's uh, latest concoction of single point perspective. Uh, Grand Budapest uh, Hotel. Uh, yeah. Um, his his uh, focus shots with things in the middle, you know? Yeah. The, yeah. the symmetry <laughs> shots. His latest collection of those shots strung together with music. Right. Um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. And uh, I was, you know, I was sitting there thinking to myself the whole time, too, like, wow, th- this one's a little bloodier and a little, little more brutal than, than any of Wes Anderson's films have traditionally been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like fingers chopped off yeah. and whatever. And I was like, cool. Okay. Gold Blum. It was fun. It was yeah. fun. Um, I enjoyed the film. And then and, and we stood up after the film was over and we, we noticed somebody in a like brown leather jacket sitting maybe two, three seats to our left. This is at the Hollywood Arclight Theater, okay, on Sunset Boulevard. Um, and we realized, I don't know if she saw it first or if I saw it, but it was Quentin Tarantino sitting a few seats next to me. And uh, and I was like, okay, cool, it's Hollywood, whatever. You see people, cool. And But I'm a big Tarantino fan, so like right. I was slightly starstruck and, and, and just, just in that way that's like, cool, man, awesome. I was you know, geeking out. 
And then I was like, all right. I said to my dad, I got to go to the bathroom. And I, I go into the restroom and I go and I stand at the urinal. <clears throat> and there's no one else in this bathroom, right? And mm-hmm. it's completely silent. And I'm like thinking about the film and whistling to myself and pissing, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I feel this presence come to the urinal next to me. Now, keep in mind, I want you to know this. There were three urinals there. Mm-hmm. I was on the far right. Right. There was two to my left. Now, what's the rule? You guys are men. What is the rule when there's three urinals and one guy's on the far right? Where do you, which urinal do you go to? Oh, you, you tap the guy on the shoulder and you ask him if he's going to be done soon. Remind me not to go to like <laughs> any kind of a... It's different in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like, we're never going to share a gym membership, all right? Are you uh, going to sell me the gym membership? I was going to sell you one, but <laughs> forget it now. I got a different club for you. Um, Point is, you go to the furthest one. You go to the yeah, furthest yeah, one to the left. That's like a man code yeah. thing, right? Yeah. All right. Well, this man... What, what, what about, have you seen the ones at like shitty stadiums where it's just like the big tray? Like a big silver oh, tray. Yeah, yeah. Fuck but those I'm, things. Yeah, that stuff tastes terrible. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, uh, I so yeah. Naturally, you go. You got three urinals, and you're on the one to the far right. And you, you, if if you see someone there, you go to the one one over. You skip one. You you leave a buffer zone for two men to have their dicks out. Right. 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 <laughs> wow, that was like that, that was like yep, absolutely sure yep. thing. We got dicks out right now. There's at least three feet of space. Um, so so anyway, he doesn't. This person does not do this, and uh, and I feel his presence. Like I can tell how close he is to me while I've got my dick in his hand and now I can tell that he's got his dick in his hand and I look over and here's this six foot five fucking Tarantino standing there pissing next to me and I think okay of all the directors or of all the celebrities (laughs) of all the people that I've ever seen in my life or wanted to see or wanted to meet this is the most beautiful perfect storm of opportunity for me to at least create a memorable moment for both of us right (laughs) okay so I'm I'm thinking of all these scenarios and and now keep I didn't do any of these things but and 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 bear with me on this i think that if i had just i don't know either reached over and just (laughs) grabbed his dick or asked him if i could hold his dick for him i'm not like and look to to each his own okay to each his own on on what sexually you prefer in those arenas okay i'm not even going to disclose that information about myself but let's just say I don't normally grab dicks okay. <laughs> on a regular basis. I don't normally grab anything. It's a big city. It's hard to get laid. Sure. But um, <laughs> I don't normally reach over and grab dicks. And if Martin Scorsese came up next to me, mm. uh, that's not a good example. I'd grab his dick too. <laughs> um, if, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, Wes Anderson, since I was seeing his film, if Wes Anderson came up and stood next to me, I would not reach over and grab his dick, probably because I couldn't find it. Sorry. Um Look. Sweet burn. Yeah, right? Ooh. Um, it, it, you have a third grade audience, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming. Okay, good. Now, Wes so, Anderson is going to write a very strongly written letter. Well, no. It's because I respect him. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so uh, turn to him and I just thought to myself, man, I could just like reach over and grab his dick and then boom. My story's on Letterman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Because you know, you can picture Tarantino going, you know, I, I, was, in the, I was in the bathroom the other day, and um, <laughs> this guy, uh, he, he just, he came up to me, and I didn't know him, he didn't know me, and I said, uh, I, I was just, I was taking a piss, I had my dick in my hand, and the guy just reached over, and he, and he grabs my dick. He grabbed my dick, okay? And I don't even know why he grabbed my dick, but he grabbed my dick, and I think it was some kind of celebrity thing, and uh, that's what he did, okay? And I, and I you know what? Just give it a few shakes. Just gave it a few shakes, and 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 listen, I'm I I know I'm a gentleman, 
you know? <laughs> okay? Like, I, I know if he wasn't done yet, not to reel it in right away, sure. I would have, like, you know... <laughs> So anyway, I didn't. I didn't grab his dick, and I've. I have. I have spent. This is two. Two years. Whenever that movie this is came out, your biggest this is, regret. It's a couple it? years ago, man. And yeah, did you see that thing on the internet where they like they put up a wall and like describe your biggest regret? Write it on this right, board, yeah. or whatever. Right. Not grabbing like, Tarantino's not dick. Not grabbing Quentin Tarantino's dick in the restroom at the ArcLight <laughs> Theater. You know, and that's 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 always going to forever sit with me. Although I think the girl that I was on the date with at the time was grabbed that I was glad that I didn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. I just imagine imagine you not washing your hands and walking out and just pointing at your hand and going, this is the hand that touched the dick of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Well, no. Let's get something straight here. I'm not like hero worshipping. I'm just creating a a, a sense of story. I know people, (laughs) somebody that got Michael Jordan's jersey full of sweat back in the 90s, like they've saved it and drank his sweat and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I'm not disgusting. (laughs) All right, I don't know what I don't know what you guys are thinking Listen, of me you're right just now. A dick grabber, you know. But I wanted, you know, just to right, you yeah, know, just yeah, to, just to kind of. I imagine you creepily like after you, after you're done and you just walk over and you wash your hands and you look back and you just stare yeah. him down in the eye and you're like, "Thank you." But what I was, I <laughs> hope this was good for you I think, too. I think more accurately, I think what would have happened is he would have punched me in the gut and said, "You want a memorable story with me? Right. Here's your story." <laughs> you know, and he would have just shut, you know, just slugged me right in the gut, and then we would have been on a merry way. Either way, great Tarantino story, right? Yeah, because I, now you're talking about a white tile bathroom covered in my blood, and yeah. Tarantino was the auteur of that event. Sure. You know? fantastic. <laughs> He'd have to add a sprinkler or two. Just to make it yeah, seem more Tarantino. Yeah, no, absolutely. It would have to get. It would have to get real sloppy and messy. And my head would go in a urinal at some point. <laughs> yeah, you know? yep. You'd have and to go. There'd still be like a turd floating in the urinal too. Absolutely, you'd have to go grotesque on it for sure. I mean, he's an exploitation film artist, right? So, so that would have been. But that my point is that <laughs> is that you know, in some special way, I feel he would have appreciated it. I think. Am he I would. wrong here? No, you're not. I think Do you, you should have written, written like, a letter. Do you think that anything? Like, you mean before that happened? Like, no, now. Dear, just be like, yeah. you may not remember me, but this was the single yeah. biggest regret of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Let me preface this story by saying I'm a fan of your work, and I'm not usually starstruck. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to so hardcore grab your dick just to make a funny story. Yeah, no, and it and it, and it would have been. I mean, I I could have no other accomplishments on on <laughs> my sign, on my CV. You get a fucking autographed dick pic back from Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, you're like, oh, here here you go. Yeah, yeah, he would have. Uh... He would, or maybe sent me a piece of someone else's dick. That probably would have ended up happening. We're talking about Tarantino here. Let's go, let's go, rogue. You know, he's. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was that was my Tarantino story. And and you know what? That that's so typical Hollywood. That kind of stuff like right. happens all the time. And I I think in many cases, uh, dick grabbing does go on. And mm-hmm. then boom, Channing Tatum. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, so we're famous, right? So How do you think he got in the film? Is that How do you works? What, grabbing dicks? Dick grabbing, then boom, Channing Tatum. No, that's how celebrity works. Oh. Acting works based on a complex understanding of human emotion and reactivity. Systematic list of wants. Yeah, and then you Golden grab a rule. dick to actually get to do it in front of people. Okay, all right. right. Fair Tyler and I did and a now, play together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now you know. Let's, let's segue into that, because Tyler and I did a play together. Speaking of, 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 of weird interactions like that and that play in particular you remember that time um every once in a while a director will do this uh, it's only theater directors they'll have you do the 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 stare at each other 
Because yeah. I remember Zach had us yeah. do that for Sega Night Crazy. Yeah. Where it's like you have to just stare into each other's eyes like uh-huh. this. Yeah, we did that, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We had to add... Um, they never say for what reason. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> in some ways I get it. Like, you know, if you grew up... Um, uh, a um, uh, a mule or some sort of uh, retarded farm animal. I can understand <laughs> needing that process right, right, uh, to right, be right. an actor. Yes. You know, like I can, I, t- I totally, I totally get it. But you know, I, I'm I'm unconventional on that front anyway. I don't know how you feel about the the acting world. Uh, uh, I I personally, like I said before, I, I'm very reactionary, so uh-huh. it's very like first first thing. So when when you get into those staring things, and Zach was a great director. I, I never oh sure I never yeah. say otherwise, but. Um, but yeah, when you get into those things, I think actually that takes away from it for me. Yeah, um, it, I, I I agree. But go on. Well, you're establishing you're establishing sort of a strange relationship that you would have never had with that character to begin with, right? You know. Um, but I get it. I get why people are doing it. And it's sort of an academic thing to do. You know. It's, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's it is very much an academic school um, school thing. But but it was. Uh, that that play that we did actually still to this day is one of my favorite yeah. productions that we've ever done. I mean that that was um, that was it was a really fun show, and we got contacted by the playwright. Yeah, right by the guy uh, that did it. Uh, uh, Ralph, Ralph Pape. Pape. Ralph Pape. Is his name. He was the, and it was at one point it was the most. I heard the statistic. The the show was Sega Night Gracie by Ralph mm-hmm. Pape, and it was at one point the most used monologues in auditions in the seventies and eighties for auditions. Yeah, yeah it was. Oh, it was, I still uh, hear that monologue. The the um, the Jerry one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I try to forget it, but because it, I hated that monologue. Really? Was, oh God, that was the worst part of the show. It's a for me. It's, uh, well, yeah, I, I, I could. I remember that time yeah. when I was on the train or some shit. It I went is, to Woodstock, and I can't remember. A super monologue-y monologue. Monologue-y, yes, it's very monologue-y. And um, I can see that working in the seventies, but yeah. You know. But Ralph Pape contacted contacted us because. Uh, we had done, we had made a little poster or something, and I guess that got on the series of tubes. Mm-hmm. And uh, via the, this internet series of tubes, the original uh, playwright author here in New York um, contacted us down in uh, Florida, um, and, and actually Zach spoke to him and 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 got like you know got to talk about the work, and yeah. and, and that's wow. that's an invaluable experience to mm-hmm. actually get a real playwright when you're just some guy putting on a production of somebody's show that you picked up at a library, yeah, and then you get the actual playwright contacting you, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like an agency, it was like right, yeah. it was just wonder, him. Yeah. I wonder if Stephen King contacted <clears throat> any if he contacted Bruce Willis during Misery at all in any capacity. He said he liked it, although he also said that he liked that. Uh, the remake of The Shining for the Sci-Fi Channel. Well, it's closer to the novel, I guess, but it's not good. Oh, there's another one. Uh, didn't Misery wasn't that the one where um, Bruce Willis was having his lines fed to him? Aren't they doing that now? They're having their lines fed. See, to him I thought stage. that was Al Pacino, but I think it's Al- both of them, it's right? Both. both of them, yeah. yeah. Al Pacino, aging yeah, he movie was stars too. trying to do theater for the first time in their lives. Not Pacino, but but yeah, Bruce what Willis. I was going to say what that's sad about Al Pacino is he cut his teeth in theater. He sure. was very big in the New York theater scene. Before he was ever a movie star, yeah. Um, Bruce Willis, it's very much yeah. It's it's a, a movie guy trying to do theater and whatever. And Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis is a movie star. Yeah, I mean he is. I'm talking about the his presence, his thing. I I worked for. Uh, can I tell this story? Yeah, absolutely. I I worked for uh, Bad Boy Entertainment in 2000. For um, okay. P Diddy, you may know him as, or Puffy. Um, I've heard of this person. Uh, we were supposed to call him Puffy. I don't right. know who he is. Um, who is I I called him. Asshole, um, really, really, like a like a music guy. Oh, is this is a real thing? It's not a real thing. I no, you're joking. He's right? talking about this. I know it's a music guy, but I don't know any. Yeah, no P Diddy. 
I heard the name, known by name. Okay, we're just gonna move on. All right. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I was, I was, I used to work for him, and and one of the things that one of my jobs, it was sort of an associate producer position, was to go around. I don't know if anyone listening remembers the vote or die. I uh, do thing, right? Is that so what they the, did for Jason Todd? No, no. <laughs> so there was, a, there was that a, was vote to die. Or oh, vote okay. To kill. Vote, vote or die was this campaign started by um, Sean P. Diddy. Combs. Yes, that's the one. So, so we uh, we got the only guy in What's the world in New York City that doesn't know who he's. He's thirteen years old. I right, you. I forgot about. I've that. seen some of these movies. <laughs> He's not like a movie guy. When you said come up to my room, there's a small Asian boy, I thought, I didn't know we were doing a podcast. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, well. So, um, yeah, I was was working for this guy, and one of my jobs was to interview everybody, right? And we got, because they were Diddy's parties, so we got on the inside of the red carpet. So there's like E! Entertainment Tonight, there was like ABC News and all this, whatever, on the other side of the ropes, and then there's me with a microphone getting all the first exclusive interviews as people come in, like, on this side of the ropes, you know? So, like, they have to talk to me. They can't just wave and, and avoid. One of these people was uh, Bruce Willis. No. And I actually, the first time I met Bruce Willis was at one at Puffy's house, and it was at a party, and I literally ran into him. I hit his shoulder. Now, oh. I don't know if you've ever hit John McClane's shoulder mm-hmm. before, but it's no. a scary experience when you look <laughs> back and you see this sort of, because he scowls. Yeah. But he's actually, a very, he's like a class clown. He's like a very, he's, he's good friends with Diddy and he like took his shirt off and he's like rubbing it on his head and he's like acting like a clown. He's a goofball, right? But uh-huh. he looks intimidating. However, he's about your size. Uh, let the record show I'm pointing to the small Asian boy in the room. Um, he's, he's about your size. He's a very small guy. I mean, he's muscles, but he's like short. He's small. Yeah. So it was, it was disarming. Anyway, I hit him and we apologized. Like I apologized to him for hitting him or whatever. Second time I met him, I did the interview. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him. We were talking about like voter apathy amongst the youth. This was at the time when it was uh, Bush versus Kerry, right. and we were talking about. Uh, That's a very apathetic situation, though, when you had that election, midterm election. I mean, it was it was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you had an incumbent president, so it was. Mm-hmm. But everyone wanted him out. So and Did, the best Diddy he was, was trying John to get Kerry. Diddy was yeah, and Diddy was trying to get the liberals to vote for John Kerry, uh, which is his demo. So. So, so was Eminem. A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Eminem made a whole song yeah. about a presidential yeah. election. Yeah. Well, the reason Diddy did it, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but the reason Diddy did it was supposedly because he had committed some kind of crime. I don't remember, I don't remember what it was. It was something either a tax fraud or pulling a gun or something like that. Maybe that okay. was Vanilla Ice that did the gun thing. But uh, yeah. Diddy uh, had done some crime and his like punishment was to do some sort of civic service and he turned it into this marketing thing. Really? And it became Vote or Die and we had the t-shirts that said Vote or Die and uh, blah blah blah. So what if you didn't anyway, vote? You would die. Oh, that seems. He would personally come out and kill you. <laughs> I feel like that'd get him uh, into more trouble. I think the idea was that we would just keep going to war, and that's how you die, like that kind right. of thing. Like voted. I don't know. It wasn't the economically. Most, it was. Uh, wasn't the most clever campaign I've ever seen. But whatever. It was a job. So, so I second time I meet Bruce Willis, we do the interview. We talk, um, and he he did his his kind of Bruce Willis. He sort of avoid the conversation, conversation. But mm-hmm. it was a fun interview, and I was. Interviewing Bruce Willis. So, cool, right? And I was all excited. Later that night, third time I meet Bruce Willis, he's at a bar. And we're all standing at this bar. It's all, like, you know, exclusive. Like, it's not just a public bar. It's, like, just celebrities and then the crew and us and whatever. And I go up to the bar. It was kind of free time. And I walked up to the bar and I wanted to thank him for the interview and just get a candid, like, hello and, like, say something without hitting him or uh, having to do it under the formalities of the, of the content. I wanted to just shake his hand and say hi. 
So mm-hmm. I go up to the bar, and there's this like 19 year old kid at, at the bar bartending, and Bruce Willis has asked for a bottle of white wine, and uh, the kid can't get the thing. He's so nervous he can't get the fucking cork out of the bottle, right? And Bruce is like getting impatient, and he's waiting there, and he's so again, he's such a movie star. He's such a just his persona, his like attitudes. There's a presence to it, and for such a little guy to just be beaming that much, kind of like mm-hmm. how I said I could tell it was Tarantino. Right. Um, just, oh, that man is six five. Ju- just, ju- but just it was his presence too. I mean, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and his it dick. was his dick. It was his it dick. Was his it was dick. Dick. Yeah. Yeah. dick. So, uh, so, so, yeah. I, I, I went up. I, I went up to Bruce and, and I, I said, and as I'm talking to him, he grabs the the wine bottle out of the kid's hand and mm-hmm. he pulls the rest of the cork out with his teeth. I mean, this guy's fucking real. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he pulls the cork out with his teeth, and he takes a swig of it, and he like looks at me, and I was like, "Listen, thanks for the interview." And he said something to the effect of like, "You know what interview?" <laughs> and uh, and I was like, "No, we just did like twenty minutes ago over there." And he's right. like, "Oh, sorry, man. I mean, they were like fresh off the fucking boat. Literally, they were on a boat that came into Miami, and they like smoke came out of the boat, uh-huh. like uh, <laughs> like uh, like the 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 Scooby Doo van, you know." Sure. And so they were just high as kites. <clears throat> and um, anyway, talk. I talked to him for like a minute. Nothing real consequential. And then he walked away. But the kicker was that on his walk away, and this is going to be really hard for me to describe on radio, but as he walked away, he stopped. And he turned around really slowly as if he was shooting a scene for the new Die Hard movie <laughs> in which some idiot blonde kid is trying to talk to him at a bar and that's the big conflict. And he mm. turns around and he just goes... He sticks up two fingers, turns his head to the left over his shoulder and goes, peace. (laughs) And I was floored, man. I was like, I was like, oh, it was so amazing. I I was like, like. That was the hardest erection this man has ever had. Oh, man. I I, I was like a a middle America housewife and Harrison Ford just came in and bought groceries from me. You know, like it was just this moment of like, oh, my God, did you see? Touched it. Oh, Jesus. So I I, I was it was just fantastic. And then he just like, I swear to God, turned into mist and disappeared (laughs) off into the off into the ether. (laughs) Now, this party, this particular party was so fucking surreal around me was the Beastie Boys dancing with the Olsen twins, okay? There was just like, like... They fought for their right. The, yeah. <laughs> they did, yes. Um, and and by the way, this is when the Olsen twins were still two? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, they were like 18, 19 or something. Sure. And they looked like bobbleheads, I swear to God. It was hilarious. These tiny, skinny little Hollywood bodies mm-hmm. and then these big fucking Giant heads man. of... Like a, like a celebrity's head <laughs> just on top and like... Like, famous? We're famous. We're famous. We sell clothing now. And uh, Paris Hilton is uh, dancing with, like, uh, uh, Mike from Linkin Park. And just just (laughs) weird shit, you know? And actually the most intelligent political conversation I had with any human being at that party was with Mike from Linkin Park. Really? He was brilliant. Yeah. And if I ever meet him again, I would tell him that. And then the most sensitive and kind human being I ever met, and we're talking like everybody was there, Will Smith, like Shaq. Sure. Fucking like, it, he was having what's called a white party, which isn't... It sounds the, right. Oh, well, we're getting on those Oscar-y kind of debates right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's not a, um, it's not a, not a party featuring Mel Gibson. It's actually, a white party is when everyone has to wear white. white. Um, and it was the 50, 50, top 50 of the, of the industry. So Al Sharpton was there. Top of the political, sports, entertainment, whatever. Will Smith, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, like big names, all in one party, all sitting at one table. Right. Um, and 
and and and during all of this um all of this partying going on there were just these weird surreal moments of people you see in movies and television i saw owen wilson tripping out on so much acid <laughs> that uh that you know he couldn't be communicated with and my job was to communicate with them sure and he was just like it was that moment it was like that moment from uh, royal tannenbaum's i think it was when he's all fucked up on drugs at the end and they're interviewing nah. him on the show and they're just like so what did you think of your last book and how it came out and he's like pip 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 and his head goes up to the left, <laughs> and he's like all spacey, and that's exactly how this was, and it was a reaction, and I, I, I mean, he he was so fucked up, but um, yeah, man, it's it's surreal because these people are are real, they're smaller than you think they are, right, and they're I weirder than you think. The they case. Are. Yeah, was Tom Cruise there? Maybe he no, was, but he just wasn't at direct. Yeah, no, I don't know. I was standing right, at they, the they bar. They didn't have an so apple I, box. He I couldn't, couldn't see underneath it. the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they have him walk on an apple box. They just have a guy that brings an apple box in front of him every two steps he takes, <laughs> sets it down in front of him, he takes a step up. Um, no. And then... Uh, That's how they filmed all of Top I mean, Gun. The, the, these are, these, these, like, I got tons of these stories. I won't bore you with all of them. But I, then I did, I went on a, a, a date another time. I'm single, by the way. Uh, I went on this other date. So um, Tarantino, if you're listening. Yeah, right. I went on this other date, and um, it was with this French actress. And she um, she's like, oh, I am here. She was, like, in America for this for, to promote a film. And she's like, oh, I am here because of this film. And Mel Gibson is interested in my film. And, and we're sitting there. We're, we're sitting at, like, two. $200 worth of sushi and wine, by the way, which I'm paying for. So I'm like, all right, I don't, you know, need to like get interrupted by phone calls and t- Twitter and all that shit. And she picks up the phone and this is like a Tinder date. So I don't expect a whole lot out of it, but she, uh, she picks up the phone. And she goes, Oh, hold on. And she's like, yes, yes. Hold on. No, listen, I can't talk right now because I, I am, I'm on a date. We could not do the talking right now. Uh, listen, um, he needs to talk to me right now. Is it okay? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Who is it? You know, who the fuck it'd be. She goes, okay, listen, yes. No, I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, no, no. So we are still on for tomorrow, Mr. Gibson? <laughs> and I'm going, what? No, 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 there's no way I'm sitting here eating a spicy tuna roll. <laughs> and this chick's on the phone with Mel fucking Gibson. And and she was like, oh, I can't talk right now because I'm on a date. Yeah. And she, yeah, she's defending. I was, I was actually like, oh, cool. Okay. But um, so then the weirdest part happened and she goes, Fine, hang on. Hands me the fucking phone, okay? Now, I don't know if it's Mel Gibson for sure. Sure. She, she, she could be full of shit. This is an actress in L.A. from France, okay? Right. Let's just say. No, uh, so <laughs> she... So, so I, don't, I don't know. Did but you they, answer it? Immediately starts cussing you out? <coughs> yeah, Listen, actually. So <laughs> I, I answered it. I, I, I got on the phone, and all I hear is this deep Mel Gibson-y voice nah. going... Going like, yeah, listen, I need to talk to this girl. We've got important business to do. Um, and by the way, I don't know what you think you're going to accomplish out of, out of this because uh, she's coming over to my house later, and I'm gonna, <laughs> we're gonna oh. play. We're gonna do some asphyxiation play. Those were his words. We're gonna do some asphyxiation play. Right. And as he's telling me this, she doesn't okay. know he's telling me this on the <laughs> phone, and I'm staring at her. Mm-hmm. listening to the fact that she's going to have asphyxiation play with Mel Gibson after my date with her <laughs> and thinking, you know, we're splitting this bill, right? You know? <laughs> so, I, I loved you in Road Warriors. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, hey, if, if, I, if I give her a DVD, can you sign it and yeah. bring it back to me? But, and he was so, and listen, I, I tell you now, I mean, he was so drunk, like, on, on the other right. line, whatever. Anyway, I handed the phone back to her. She went and met with him the next day. She was like, oh, what did he say? Oh, he was really nice. He just, you know, yeah. wanted to say hi. Yeah, and she didn't tell me anything about how it went. I kept in touch with her for a little while. Mm. I don't know if she ever she ended up making She was not asphyxiated the next day. Uh, apparently not. Well, well to be fair, asphyxiation play yeah. does not involve death. 
Hopefully. Typically. Typically. But if, it, if it goes well. Unless you're on your well, own. Well, unless, unless you're playing in a whole different I manner. Know. Mel Gibson is a powerful man. Yeah, he is. If Strong French hands. Right. Yeah, he really... Ricky Gervais might know it. If a French so. actress disappears in Malibu, I heard he owns it, so... Right. You don't know. Yeah, but if a French actress disappears in Malibu, and <clears throat> there's... Is there uh, anyone there to split the sushi bill with and, her? Yeah, and there's yeah. no one there to exploit it. Did it really happen? Yeah, that was another one of those... Those celebrity stories, um, you know, living in L.A., that was part of it, and and uh, the Puff Daddy stuff, that was in Miami, actually, where all that happened. Yeah. But there was just so many, so many interesting things that happened out of it, <clears throat> and all those years of doing that actually, again, propelled me back to New York City because uh-huh. I don't need the celebrity angle, although you needed to sell the films, but I wanted to work with people like you guys and mm-hmm. people who construct This is your first mistake. <laughs> right. It is. It's why I'm in a dorm room right now. Right. With with a, a non Asian hooker, yeah, uh, or no, a non Asian, non Asian. Yeah. Asian That's a, you might want to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, non Asian hookers are expensive, but uh, <laughs> look, it, it. I I think I think you know because we talk about films, we talk about the superhero thing, we talk, and obviously that comes with a big like celebrity thing. We have this cult of personality in America, and right. everything's like. Mm-hmm. I mean, the U.S. president was. The first celebrity, you know, that was the thing. You vote for a popular guy, right? And we were the first should make Democratic a game show out of it. to do. Yeah, right. American Idol. Yeah. Oh, can we have the new American like American Idol? That would presidency. be a great idea. They should. I think we're doing like, it right now. Yeah, they should have a reality <laughs> show for the president. Like I think the there president is. should be a reality TV show star. They'd be tested every week on a different skill. Yeah. Sorry, Mr. Trump, your skateboarding just doesn't hold up. You're fired. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they should do it like American Ninja Warrior. Oh, or just Ninja Warrior. Whoever can get to the top of Mount Kobayashi. Yeah. <laughs> He's the next He's U.S. The president. Next US president. Uh, Sorry, Sanders, but... Uh... Hillary got you there. Yeah. So, look, I, I, don't, I have tons of these stories. I don't know if you guys want me to bore, bore you with them, but um, you, uh, you feel free to uh, cut us off in any minute here. Hey, man. Well, we are at like two hours and 15 minutes. Um... We could always have you back, but well, what's you? What's you? Blocks down the road. Yeah, man. I live. And apparently, you're here occasionally. When you're not staying here for a a TV show, you're here at Manhattan TV Studios. Right. I was here today. Yeah. Well, actually, I only came here because I was early between meetings, and uh, and turns out my friend is working downstairs, so I went out there. Um, But yeah, no, I always end up back at this hotel for some reason. That's fucked up. For some reason, I've been back at this hotel, and and I actually I shot a horror film in here too. Really, on, on one of the like supposed haunted floors or something. Yeah, yeah. Tesla died here Tesla in this did building. Die here, yeah. yeah, right. Up on the thirty third floor, I believe. I know you're the one who took me there. Yeah, thirty third floor. Something like that. I heard legend. The sub basement's also haunted. Michael yes. would never take us to the sub basement. I would. Yeah, no, I don't. I can't go down there myself. Oh, we shot down there. You shot down there? Yeah. How yeah. is it? Is it fucked up? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what I imagined. There's a it whole subway into, station down there. It leads there, into right? there's uh, like Penn an station, old right? New York subway station. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't know. The, the parts we were in were like very boiler roomy kind of. Okay. Oh know? yeah, because there's like four levels down there. Yeah. And I think one of them, because it was built as an air raid shelter back in 1929 when the building was built um it was also um yeah, so manhattan's it, it largest into... power plant at one time this was yeah and tesla died here yeah interesting yes well that's why i, I believe that's the why fucking yeah. dots <laughs> that's right yeah wake up people 
Um, <laughs> Back that, to the Future knew about 9-11. Is this that podcast now? Is that what we're on? <laughs> yeah, we, 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 I told you before. It's like Gotham. It's a tonal catastrophe. <laughs> Whatever happened to that bust that the Tesla Society gave the building? Oh, it's it's downstairs. It's not in the... It's, it's not in the lobby anymore. It's like down one floor. Like I, it's kind of after you come off the escalators? I don't know. Maybe they're like, they oh, remember like this it? guy? Yeah, he died here. Yeah. That and a lot of people don't know Dude, who Nikola Tesla. You know how fu- is. not anymore because like that's Nikola Tesla is uh, he's kind of an unsung or not even unsung anymore. He's, he's just a regular old Nolan hero. Movie. He was Bowie, man. He was what Bowie? Bowie played Tesla. In the, oh uh, yeah, movie yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I thought you meant some kind of weird reincarnation. Yeah. Thing. Bowie died in this building. It David was like, Bowie it was like, died and then became this Nikola yeah, Tesla and then became really, David Bowie. Really it was fucking like Major sad Tom. that we can now say David Bowie died and it's not. Like Major a, Tom, Ziggy Stardust, uh, Thin White Duke, Nikola Tesla. Yeah, these were all Bowie characters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was the that was well that was the earliest Bowie character. It was before he settled. Uh, it was before he became Bowie. He was still releasing under uh, Tom Jones. Which like, is, like, it's not unusual. Yeah, no. They, he was actually telling a story on Conan. They did like a reel of uh, after he passed away. They did like a reel of all the times that Bowie was on Conan because when he was taping in New York, obviously Bowie lived here, so he was on quite a bit. Um, and he was telling the story about how when he first started, because his name isn't David Bowie, his name is uh, David Jones. Right. Yeah. And so his first record was released under David Jones, and then the monkeys happened, Davy Jones was, like, huge. Yeah. So he had to change it. So he's like, okay, he changed it to Tom Jones. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And then that happened. Yeah, and then he's like, all right, you know what, fuck it, let's call myself the Beatles. Right. (laughs) No one's got that, right? Yeah. No, Conan's joke was, yeah, he's like, and then you released it under David Cassidy, and then kept going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah. Bowie passed away. That sucks, man. Oh, he was rad, man. He really was. His new See, album's that was, amazing. That was sad, yeah. but the one that really hit me was Alan Rickman. See, it's a complete opposite for me. Like, I was very sad about Rickman, but Bowie was, like, my favorite musician. Drawing. I was definitely more affected by Rickman than... I yeah. mean, by uh, Bowie, Bowie than Rickman. Rickman. Um, mostly because, I mean, Rickman, like, he didn't start acting until he was 42 years old. Well, he was a theater so actor it wasn't really, before then. Yeah, um, but but it, his first role was Hans Gruber. Heard, yeah. yeah, Hans yeah, Gruber. In, yeah. in the film. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's impressive. motherfucker. Yippee. Still yeah, one of the best villains fucker. ever put on screen. It's sure. Terrible. That, he was fucking Galaxy Quest. Yeah, people have been oh, talking yeah. about that Galaxy kicks Quest ass. a lot. It's like one of the best Star Trek movies ever made. I watched Alan Rickman's like last film he directed and was in, and he played like Louis the Sixteenth, and it was about making the garden in Versailles. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Which is exactly as boring as it sounds. <laughs> Um, exactly interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, no, no, I mean, it was like you know, okay, Versailles, that's fun, and then it was about a garden. It, there was no plot. You want to say they tried no. to contrive you know they one? Called, you, know they, story, you know they, they should have called that movie the Constant Gardener, <laughs> and they realized it was taken. Yeah, I think they even they should have called the Constant Gardener just the Constant Movie. It was just <laughs> the movie that would never holy end. Holy shit! <laughs> um. <laughs> He's just in the garden. He's like, put the roses over here. Yeah. No, put them over there. Now you're doing your Rickman. No. You wouldn't do your Rickman the I other I was night. too drunk to do it. I tried. Should I couldn't. we have a conversation really... between Cosby and Rickman right no. now? Oh, Maybe. good God. That, was, that, that would be in poor taste. But well, I think... you, know, you know, to be fair, though, 
We have never. We've just seen your Tarantino, and Alan Rickman was never in a Tarantino movie. True. You can't prove that. Pretty sure I can. Oh. <laughs> I think he can too. <laughs> it's called IMDb. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think uh, I think a conversation between uh, Alan Rickman <laughs> and Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby at a, uh, like, tech convention, you know, or, um, no, some, no, so no, uh, at, a, at a wine mixer. Sure. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, let me get you a drink. Oh, that's okay. Will anybody like to have some <laughs> of the red or the white? Not you, Rudy. Oh, <laughs> uh, hello. Oh, uh, I'm such a fan of your work. You know, I used to think so too. I can't do a good Cosby right now. <laughs> I can't do a good Rickman right now. Your Rickman's all, spot on. Oh, man. thank you. It's not. They want to blame me for Rudy. <laughs> I no no. Rickman is about Rickman is about a state of mind. It is. <laughs> Rickman it's, is light. It's, <laughs> it's fucking here, man. It's right here. Yeah. It's in your mask. It's, it's like right, right in the. Mr. No, I don't level. even know how to like. Like I get to these points where I'm trying to do these voices, and I'm like, I, I can't find how I got there. Um, but I can't, I can't remember what my hook for Rickman was. It was always like Miss. It was always something about from Harry Potter. Talking about uh, Mr. Potter, because it's it's not just in the nose; it's also in the front of the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is you guys listening at home, you can't see him, but he's actually he's bent over himself, speaking through um, between his thighs. Uh, it, it's all in the it's all in the penis. Rickman is all in the penis, Mr. Potter. Ten points from Gryffindor. I'm not amused. Well, I mean, you think he kept asking to use his wand. I think think you could do a better audition, okay? (laughs) I really, I I, I just, I think... I don't know that you know what you're talking about. I've never seen one of your films. It's so creepy because <laughs> the way you're treating that microphone is actually the way Cosby would treat yes. <laughs> uh, just about anybody. Yeah. Oh man, Bill Cosby. Yeah. How about how about Ghost Dad? Huh? Let's talk about that film, right? Underrated. Am I right, guys? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, for his one and only like film that I can even think of that he was in as a star of a film mm. to be called Ghost, Ghost Anything. <laughs> Uh, seems a little creepy now in retrospect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you couldn't have painted that better. Putting Pop's ghost dad, you know, like like all, all those, those things are all really easy for the general public to make jokes about mm-hmm. um, when, it, when it comes to like you know rape. <laughs> um, that's a that's a subject that's that that's a subject that nobody's comfortable with. Should we talk about that? Rape? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, listeners, we. I mean, okay. If, let me ask you this: If I had grabbed Tarantino's dick at the urinal, uh huh, could he have filed charges against me? 
Oh, he could have tried sexual, sexual assault charges. Yeah. I don't know about rape. rape like, would you have started gently caressing the penis? I suppose it would have depended on the reaction. <laughs> As you do, you know. Right, it's it's right, a really heated right. moment thing. It really is. I mean, you don't, you know. You have to romance him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're already at the urinal, so we're past the first sort of, like, you know, <laughs> wall there. But, yeah. uh... But no, you know. Well, I it's just I think that maybe he would have regretted it later. He would have? Yeah. <laughs> well, he would have let you do it. Oh, would he? And then, you know, it gets picked up on the cameras that they have in public bathrooms at the Arclight. There's no way that they have cameras in the public bathrooms at Arclight. Oh, they absolutely do. They can't. Yeah. There's no way. I don't know. There can't be. I don't know. He just regrets it later and he How says, "Oh, I think they got oh, that video of Ben Affleck masturbating on camera." That's a thing? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. That is a thing. I, I, it's, it is absolutely a thing. I heard Kevin Smith mention it. Ben Affleck masturbated in a public bathroom? Yes. No, it wasn't a public bathroom. bathroom. I don't I know what the bathroom. context of it was, but he did say that in one thing. Didn't you see that stu- video Yes, well? I have. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> is I'm pretty sure that I've seen that video. And, um, because Kevin Smith said it. I'm like, there's, there's no way that this is fake. It's not some dude that Why, just Kevin Smith like... said it? Yeah, he doesn't lie about yeah, Ben he also Affleck said, masturbating. He also said Tusk is going to be great. Tusk was great. Fuck you. <laughs> Did you see Tusk? He, he also said, I'm going to make a good film called Chasing Amy. Wow. These are all fallacies. Lies. I like Chasing Amy. I'm you sorry, Kevin too. Smith. I actually really love most of your work. So, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. keep on keeping on, right? Yeah. I think I just, I haven't seen Tusk and I haven't seen Red State. I liked Red State. Well, fuck you. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> I haven't seen those two. Yeah. Interesting. Red I State I liked, though. but Red State, to me, it kind of felt... It needed to be reined in a little bit, but I think it was kind of his attempt at like making a Tarantino film. Right. Um, and it just... You know, only Tarantino does Tarantino. It's very true. But a lot of people try to do Tarantino. Do they? Yeah, you've never heard the comparison. Like, oh, it's like oh, a Tarantino sure, movie. Sure, yeah, people are people want to be uh, something. It's like uh, sure, but like know, I, any I, artists, I think they try to replicate. Yeah, but like I can't off the top of my head think of that many. Like I can't think of a Tarantino knockoff film. Maybe just because they're there was a bunch in the nineties. Yeah, after, yeah, Pulp, after Fiction Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, there was. I can't think of one right now. Either. Yeah, yeah, I would say yeah, classic Tarantino. I guess that makes sense. Um, I actually, but like I, modern Tarantino, like whoa, I don't know. I actually got to wrap this up, guys. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Uh, we, we can hang, but my buddy wants to meet for a smoke downstairs. The guy sure. Sent, so if you want to come with me. He's... Absolutely, I will. Um, do you want to just do that real quick? Oh, you got to do a sign-off. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, yeah. Um, well, thank you for joining us, yeah, Alex. Thank you we'll very have much. you back. Oh, thank um, you. Tell more crazy Hollywood stories. We'll track more down. Grabbing? We'll track down this video of Ben Affleck jerking off, and then you could uh, you could verify if it's accurate. You're good yeah. friends with him, right? Right, right. No, well, you know the size of his penis. I would never admit that right. I'm good friends with Ben Affleck. <laughs> Come on, he's gonna be Batman. That's he is Batman, apparently, isn't he? Well, we'll see. Right? I don't know. I don't keep up with this stuff. Yeah. You know, they're making a new Batman film. Yeah. Sort of. It's called the Batman, the movie. It's called Batman and other stuff it's in the movie. Batman versus Common Decency. Right. <laughs> it's, it's Batman v Super Batman Five Superman. Batman Five Superman, I think is the title. Is the right. actual title, yeah. Right. I've heard this. Legend. 
Yeah. Legend has it, this universe expansion. What will it's, they be doing? What will they do? Perhaps a, they'll sell us more shit. No, it's all about what? it's. A, it's a massive court no, no, case because no, 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 Batman no. v Superman. No, see, listen, it's listen, like listen, Kramer yeah. versus Kramer. Yeah. It's actually going to be a remake of Kramer v Kramer, with, but with DC Batman and Superman. Superman. Yeah. No, no, yeah, see, yeah, see, yeah. this this is going to be high art substance <laughs> brought to us from the man who did the wonderful piece, Sucker Punch. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, it, fucking high art. Yeah. Visionary filmmaker. Well, I don't know Visionary about, filmmaker. I don't know about Zack art, Snyder. but I'll definitely be high when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Tyler Pino. I'm Michael Holler. And I was Alex Haney. Get out of my house. <laughs>